Hello everyone, how are you doing today? We have a feedback right here, so that's good that we have that right now that we can solve it straight away. Uh, Andy Kisfeka, welcome to the fifth episode of Kaiser Talks Podcast. I hope you're all doing good. I've already asked it, actually. Um, you know, Kaiser Talks already told, uh, told you about it. It's about esports, gaming, pop culture, everything that you can imagine and that you like. Today, I've got a really fantastic guest in the virtual studio. Wikipedia resumes what she does as Belgian TV presenter, reporter, esports player, and you've probably seen her at the desk at uh, of the League of Legends World Championships and the LEC. And she currently resides in Berlin, Germany. But I, I believe that does not do justice to like the amazing career uh, she's had. I'm going to present her to you right now. I hope there's some hype in the chat. Give some hype in the chat for the one and only Shocks. There she is. <laughs> How are you? How you doing? That's right. I. That, that's why I, I I was reading that and I was like that doesn't do justice to what you're actually doing at all. Like I'm, that's that's a very strange because they're also saying that you're. Um, I took that out, that you're a caster. That's not really what you do, right? Everyone who's on-air talent is actually called on-air talent, of which you have different roles, obviously. Uh, but sometimes people just use commentator as a whole or caster as a whole, as in you are saying something about the game. But obviously, us who watch a lot of esports know that it's specifically the people that cast the in-game continuously that are the casters. And I am a host slash interviewer. Um, so, but I get it. Sometimes they're like commentators because it's everyone that's in the realm of commentating what it, what is happening. So right. I get it, but I also get you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, we, have, we had a little sound issue there, so I'm going to just repeat what Shock said. We were talking about um, the Wikipedia page and, and about, like, they're starting off with, with all that, uh, the, the thing about TV presenting. And uh, Shock was saying that that's kind of a strange thing to, to start off with because, like, like I said, it doesn't really resume to everything you do. And then we were talking about casting a little bit. Um, so I, I, I actually haven't asked... Um, how are you doing today? How's it going? Because you, you've you've been back uh, on streaming. I saw I've seen like three or four days ago. How how's yeah. that? How's all that going? Because I guess it's like a lot. Just go coming back whirlwind. together. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whirlwind <laughs> for sure. Um, so obviously we had. Um, is the sound issue fixed? By sound the way? issue is or? perfectly fixed. Okay, uh, sound nice. is nice now. Um, well, obviously there was MSI, which is a, a very heavy tournament from a production standpoint, because also it was even longer this year than it was like the previous year. So it was like six days of six games a day, plus a pre-show and a post-show into five days of six games a day with a post-show and a pre-show. Um, and then like the, the, the playoffs right after, which was three days in a row. Wow. So that was really heavy. Then I went straight to... Um, I went straight to, to Switzerland, obviously, for Red Bull Universe. Then I went uh, on holiday, luckily, for a week, which ended up being seven days because of Corona stuff and had to come back early because flights got canceled. You know how it is. Oh, wow. And then uh, I was very lucky to go. So I'm just very thankful for that. And then straight into prep for LEC. And since it was the first week, uh, usually it's pretty streamlined. We have like one day of meetings and then we get to the show. But because it was the first week, it was a full day of meetings, content shoots, a full rehearsal day, etc. follow up meetings into three days of Super Week. Uh, and 
this is technically my weekend, but it's esports, so weekends don't really exist. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's confirmed. Uh, Shox doesn't have 24 hours in her day. She's got actually 40 in one day. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how do you fit all that in one day. Like, it's how how do you balance it? How do you well, do it? Well, um, I guess. Well, so when it's not as busy, it's actually easier to deal with right but i think especially the the show days are something that uh sounds really insane for people who don't do live shows because we often get like oh you're just casters you just show up it's not a big deal but in fact there's a lot to prepare and what is one of the hardest things is that um you come into the studio four hours before the show for lec for instance right so if the show starts at 5 30 then i'll be there at uh 1 30 more like at 12 30 to do preparations and kind of just get in the zone uh rehearsals meetings makeup which takes a long time in my case um wardrobe final meetings uh all that kind of at the end making sure that everyone's on the same page to start and then you go into this marathon of like six seven hours in the case of msi like nine to ten hours of full broadcast so you're going on adrenaline you're going on fumes you're like you know you're, you have to apply everything that's happening you have to deal with everything that's happening because it's not because you only see me on screen for seven minutes during the, the post game analysis. That's been a whole game of back and forth with production. Can we get this? Can we get this stat? Can we get this graphics? We can. Can we get an interview with this one? Okay, no. Oh, there's a technical issue. We need to uh, change that. Oh, Vettis, you'd like to do a telestrator. Let's see if we can get sent the clips sent over. Let's go over and check them. Oh, they're broken. Okay. Like it's, there's so much that goes into it that people, uh, don't really see because it's such a well-oiled machine that is constantly working to adapt to what's happening in the game because you could be like oh you know let's focus on caps after the first 10 minutes because he's popping off on his Akali or whatnot but if the game then turns into something different where I don't know uh, neon on the other side is having a great game or there's a weird, weird um, item choice or there were some team fights that we want to break down in a different way or we just want to have an interview for a longer time like you got to be so close on the ball i don't know if you see that, say that in english like you, you do, do you bitch, do but... yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and that takes a lot out of you and then you end that day uh i in my case do pgl which is a whole different gear of things because now you're in interview mode uh, and you have to make sure you hit like all the sponsor, all the sponsor obligations and whatnot. And then you get out of that and then it's like, boom, straight into a post-show meeting, be like, okay, what happened today? And what do we want to talk about tomorrow? And what do we need for that? And then you go home and you're like, I have to go to bed, but I'm so <laughs> like pumped up on <laughs> I'm adrenaline. I'm still hyped. Yeah, yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah. Um, so how, cause I, we actually skipped the, the, the whole, uh, little intro thing and we're straight into into uh into that stuff which i love yeah. um my question is how deeply involved are you with the with that aspect like the, the behind the scenes machine because you you have to be on screen and ready with everything you prepared and do you get it like handed to you or is are you well into the machine are you behind oh, the screens is, as well this is good that this is finally being asked on a podcast because so many people they and you know what the weird thing but we'll probably get into it later is they only ever ask me or lore you can make of that what you will um oh do they give you what to say do they give you the interview questions like no um and i have to say that the lec broadcast is uh, one that is very unique in that regard and i think Earlier than many of the other broadcasts, uh, it was very talent driven, uh, meaning that it starts with the ideas of the talent 
And because of the structure of the LEC and how it is built up, so in terms of a production team, uh, in the meeting, so for instance, on Wednesday, we have a full brainstorm meeting. Um, which before on Tuesday or on Wednesday morning, if you get up early, but we're gamers, so we don't, we get up for the meeting at 11, which I know sounds very late. Um, but you're also up 10. very late, so. Yes, we're up until one working, so. Right. Um, right. <laughs> um, so there's this program called uh, Trello we use now, and it has boards, and there's a pitch column. Um, so everyone and anyone can put pitches in there, the talent, the producers, the writer, the graphics editors, uh, the EVS, which means the replay editors, uh, the stats analysts, everyone has, has the right to just pitch. And then, wow. uh, the producers, uh, go kind of through that to that. And they think, okay, what would work the best? And then in the meetings, we have a big brainstorm about, they go like, Hey, this is kind of what we're thinking. Um, and for visibility in the structure of the LEC, we have like a, a loose plan. Uh, for ready check which is the half hour pre-show is like okay we need to have obviously news and headlines things that people may have missed you know what's up with the patch what's up with the roster changes what happened what are the big beats then we usually try and have a comedic segment uh, something that is a bit more loosey-goosey um, then we try and have a very analytical stats driven segment uh, or mostly about an in-game thing which is a telestrator breakdown or whatnot we try to have a lot of player story building and, and hype building through ideally interviews uh, or like singular pieces where we go like these are the three players you have to watch this week uh, and then we get into the actual match intro which then has uh, different parts as well so in the brainstorm meeting we just kind of together with the talent and the producers go into, okay, so how, what do we want these things to look like? And a lot of it comes from us. The producers say, hey, news headlines, we're thinking, got to talk about Fanatics first week, got to talk about Vitality. Uh, what do you guys think? And then we go, mm, yeah, I'd rather maybe talk about the Mad Lions. And I think it's more important to say that Misfits had a great start. Um, and producers go, okay, and what would you, how would you like to show that? And then we go, oh, we'd like a stat line of VTO. And then I'll be like, so tomorrow I'll be like, well, I'd also like to highlight Vander because I think he's been a bit of an unsung hero and stats. Can we maybe get some stats to support that? Then stats will say it's a support. The stats will look like shit. And I'll be like, okay, you're right. And oh, can I swear? Of course you can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Don't, um, don't worry. So, yeah. It's very, okay. <laughs> so it's a very, very, very um, like intertwined process with talent. And on top of that, a lot of the content pieces from the LEC uh, are pitched by the talent themselves or are ideated on by the talent themselves. Not just, let me be very, very clear. It's a very group effort and everyone like pitches and pitches in, but there is a lot of talent driven um, like initiatives to that. And to answer your question for me as a host specifically, I am kind of the, the, the rode draad, the, how do you say that? Like the connection between everything. Cause I'm there from the minute the show starts to the minute I say goodbye for PGL. So it, I want to be very hands-on involved in everything. And so me and the producer work incredibly close before and during the show, uh, to the point where, um, like, you know, I'm asked a lot of things that I that I'm allowed to kind of decide on my own. Like, who do you want for PGL? What do you want this post game to look like? Is this a graphic that you could use or not? You know, um, and it's really nice because it really feels like a collaborative effort and it feels like it's our baby almost. Right. right. Uh, it's not just I, my worst nightmare is showing up somewhere. It's like, hey, read from the script. Like, yeah, I hate that. I yeah. can imagine that. Oh, and the reason I'm, I'm really happy you picked up on that is the reason I was asking this question is because I see, yeah, like tens of, of, you know, hundreds of interviews with people that do what you do. And I, I, I think we need to address it right now. I, I feel that they don't ask you the same questions as they would do other people. If you understand what oh. I mean. 
I do understand what you mean. I mean, I've had a, I, like, we're talking about sexism, but. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for yeah, pointing it out. Uh, it's, but it's true. But okay. So first I do want to say that like, um, I try to not let like sexism and the comments that I see define me and my work and my value, which is sometimes pretty difficult because I think that I'm doing a good job and I listen to my peers and you know, that that's really the core of it. And I know that I that I'm constantly trying to strive and improve and do the best and be the best host that I can be. But it is really annoying that like I, I will talk to Trevor and there'll be like a media outlet at the studio and I'll be like, hey, how was your interview? And he's like, oh, great. They asked me about my role as a manager of the talent team, about how deep I am into the production process, about, you know, um, the professionalism that goes into casting. And I'm like, oh, great. They asked me what it's like to be a woman in esports. And the thing is, I get it because it has to be asked and it has to be talked about. But I just feel like a better way to do this because everyone knows it's an issue, a better way to do this would be to highlight um, you know, the, the job that, that the women do yeah. and ask about their craft and ask about you know, those things. I think that elevates women um, to a better degree than only ever asking them one question, if that makes sense. I, I completely understand. And I've talked about this with, I don't know if you know, yeah, well, of course, you know, Miriam Bouva, the, 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 yeah. the, the Flemish comedian. I think you presented one up with it. With, yeah, with him, I yeah. worked with him. Yeah. And he, he says the same about his disability. He says, like, it's only ever the most important thing in every interview. And he says, that's yeah. the reason I drive a Maserati, because I just want it, you know, I'm not going to show the finger, but he, he was, he's like, I just want to, you know, show them that I'm, I'm, it doesn't matter that I'm, I'm thriving. I, yeah, <laughs> it, like I, it doesn't matter. I'm still thriving, and that's what I, I think is really interesting um, about that. And that's why I asked about uh, um, how much liberty do you get in LEC? Because I mean, you're not only the host; you have a, a, a massive career. You have massive insight in the game. Uh, it would be a waste of just saying, "Hey, shocks, here's a script. Just you know, yeah. that's that's it." Like that's yeah. that's my that's my vision on it. So how how much liberty do you get? Because we know you're involved now. We, we you 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 said you're involved into the process, but how much liberty do you get in that creative process as well? Because I know they do skits um, and stuff and 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 things like that. Yeah, a lot, a lot, like a lot, and yeah, <laughs> a lot, a lot. And obviously, this is not just goes for me. This also goes for uh, like all the talent. And right. I really have to credit our producers for that, and especially. Um, so to paint the quick picture of the history of uh, the LEC, which many people may already know, but obviously started as EULCS in 2013, was kind of like a carbon copy of the NALCS, the North American version, by design, uh, because it was like, oh, this is from Riot side, this is like our first big weekly broadcast, this has to be on point. So I get it, you know, kind of have a tried and true formula and make sure that your production is on point. But as time went on, I think we in Europe started to realize that we don't traditionally from a sports broadcasting background uh, cover sports in the same way like ESPN. Right. We have a different approach to things. If you look at Belgian extra time where there's always like, you know, sometimes different kind of content and different kind of approach to discussions in a more bantery way, I would say, if you look at match of the day over in England, etc. And it's not that it's like the, the biggest differences in the world, but it is little nuances where I think we as Europeans approach broadcasting of sports slightly differently. Um, secondly, we in Europe also really got the realization that like, we shouldn't try and be one to one like traditional sports broadcasting. In fact, that's gonna 
not be good for us in the long term because it is very good in terms of, hey, this, in a, this is an established broadcasting sector. So we can take ideas from that. We can build on that. We should constantly be in dialogue with people from that sector as well. But we should also remember that this is esports and this is something completely different. We have a different audience, which is much more interactive, which is much younger, which has, um, yeah, completely different ideas of what they want to see and is an ever evolving space because of the nature of the digital space where tomorrow AR can be the biggest thing and then you have to adjust to that, you know, in your broadcast or in what you're covering. Um, so all of that together made us realize uh, in Europe over time that we wanted to be much more unique. Um, that doesn't work. We wanted to be unique, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there were a lot of producers who were with us from the beginning. And I love telling the story. It's not a story. It's actually great. So one of our producers is named Kevin. And um, he actually started out as a stage manager when we went to Berlin in 2015. So he's the guy that would be like, hey, these are your seats and clap when the Nexus falls and stuff like that, you know? And he actually worked his way up and he's now a lead producer of the LEC as well as wow. um, Worlds at MSI and everything plus Valorant. Like he's just killing it. Uh, they should give him some holiday because this guy's <laughs> doing overtime. But anyway, I think because he grew within this new school of everything, he also really subscribed to the idea of everyone being able to have freedom. And a good example is the rap battles, which were pitched by Vedius and Dracos. Um, uh, you know, they just pitched it. And one of the producers, Margot, was like, I can work with this. Um, and, you know, they, they were just like, hey, let's try it. Because the worst thing we can do is never try anything. And I think that has been our approach to everything. And there's been some stupid segments that did not work. But I, I feel like that's cool. Just try it. And what's the worst thing that can happen? People typing cringe in Twitch chat? Bother. Like, yeah, that's right. fine. Exactly. As long as we keep evolving and uh, also find creative ways to put the players first and tell the players stories in which the rap battle is actually ingenious, right? It's just, it's, it's a very good idea to, to tell these stories of the teams in a non-traditional way. So, wow, that was a long answer. <laughs> it's a good one. Cause I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I had this whole narrative structure right here that I was like preparing. That was in my, I was saying in my head, like, I, I hope we, we kind of go ahead and not follow that and, and so that i can just do my own style and pick up on what you're doing and i, I feel that we're we, we got the same style so that that's really good because what i want to ask uh, um is i know you have a, a past in journalism and how do you feel it compares to because everybody's always okay first of all i I'm, I'm gonna do something that a podcast host shouldn't do i'm gonna say my own vision on it i but feel you that, should <laughs> <laughs> i feel that sports journalism and sports in general traditional sports should never be compared to esports is what you just said basically because like you said the approach is not the same and it's just not it's like saying sports and uh, i don't know um uh collecting coins is the same it's, it's it, i don't yeah. know i was just it's yeah. not the same so how do you feel your journalism um uh backgrounds prepared you for for what you're what you're doing right now did it at all address that part of your skill set or not really oh that's a very interesting question um so um right so first up uh i think so i studied history before i studied journalism and um i think the biggest takeaways from both those uh, both those studies were just um, being objective 
and trusting in research to make your points and make sure that they're always, uh, you know, they're built on a good foundation. Uh, you know, you have the stats to support it or the examples to support it or the research to support it and uh, never really talk out of your ass, if I may say so. Um, and that, of course, is something that helps me tremendously along the way. Uh, journalism specifically, I did so you could choose um, between audiovisual or written. And I wrote, uh, I studied written journalism because, uh, well, I didn't want to be in front of a, or I didn't know that I wanted to be in front of a camera at that point in time. Um, and I had an emphasis on sports journalism because I actually wanted to be a football reporter um, or cycling tennis. I, I like all of, I mean, I'm Belgian, right? So it's in yeah. my blood, I guess. Um, <laughs> so anyway, and uh, that was super interesting because we um, got, you know, we got classes from people that worked in journalism before we got to do internships. We've got to learn a lot in terms of, I think, especially how the process of gathering news and getting the most important thing in it, plus getting the right research and throwing that all into like a bite size article, which everybody can understand uh, that that process was taught to me in a, in a very effective way, I think. But uh, it was very traditional in that it's sports journalism, and I didn't know it at that time, but it would be very different than what I'm doing now in 2021. But it was still useful, obviously, uh, because I think it's a lost art of um, in esports, especially of journalism and checking your sources and being sure you credit. And, um, you know, and to be fair, clickbait also kind of works with that because you know, when I did had to write articles, it was also about, well, you need a headline that grabs people's attention, but is still, you know, reflective of the truth. So it definitely was a base. But I also think that when I started out, I was a pure journalist with SK Gaming. So I wrote articles, uh, I wrote in-depth think pieces about esports. Um, but as that went more into the broadcast we have now, I think the balance has shifted much more to entertainment. Um, especially in the LEC broadcast where it's a lot about skits and, um, you know, just the showmanship, which is something that I had to learn because that, that didn't come natural to me at all. Um, and I think now it's a balance, but I still think the, the, the core values of journalism still, still apply even to people like nobody, but me has a journalistic background, I think in the crew, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be thorough, that they're not going to research, that they're not going to be prepared, that they're going to try and represent the truth as, 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 best as possible but there is a big air of entertainment to what we do as well obviously absolutely yeah that's that's why i asked the question because i think a lot of um casters and and and, and even uh, reporters for for esports come from a background of gaming or streaming and not especially background of journalism or research or or, or that kind of stuff and that's why i was wondering what the connection was um of course, what do you what do you actually feel? Because uh, you, you were talking about Europe uh, before, and and the comparison with Europe and and for example, I'm just gonna say the United States. Uh, I know there's there's a there's a lot of you know there's there's also Asian uh, esports uh, that's also very different than 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 Europe. But let's let's take the the USA Europe comparison. Like you said, in even in traditional sports, in the ESPN, for example, there's a lot of hyping like very very like shows and stuff and if you look at well i i, I know I, i've seen that you were watching uh, the football uh, the last few days if you're looking at the belgian football uh, broadcast it's that well, was the german one actually oh, I you watch watch oh yeah yeah one. of course yeah 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 for, for the people that don't know at home by the way um uh, shocks is in berlin so she's not in 
Belgium, so just so that you know uh, kind of where she is right now. We're going to talk about that later. But how is... Yeah, well, the German... I think, is, is it comparable to our traditional media, uh, the German media? I think it's very toned down and, like, not very, like, oh, my God, what's happening right now? Yeah, it's 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 definitely similar. Uh, it's kind of, it's actually very similar in like the studio setup and like the after show and um, they actually do commentating. Oh, we do as well, I think. Well, sometimes we have a co-commentator, I think, like it was an ex-player, but oh, most yeah. of the time in Germany it's solo, um, which I think is very nice. I don't know because I like watching football, and it's there's an art to. It's the same in league casting. There's an art to timing when you're gonna let the excitement out because if you're yeah. constantly excited then what is really exciting right? right to like the the timing of that and i think that that is you know you can execute that well with one commentator but it, it can't it doesn't work for league of legends because there's not too there's too much going but right. in football <laughs> usually especially in kind of the slower football meta we're in right now it's Def um, yeah, very slow. definitely okay <laughs> yeah but yeah you are right it's also very different also the 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 nature of kind of the sponsorship integration in America and the breaks every five minutes uh, and all of that, that also completely changes the DNA of your broadcast because you have to think about all of that, you know? Um, and I, I kudos to them because that's incredibly hard because one of the hardest things I find um, in the LEC is you have to make sure that your tone is right. So for instance, if you have a half hour pre-show, um, you want to make sure that as we get closer to the game, you get the people the most excited for the game. So you mm -hmm. kind of engineer uh, what you say and what you plan. But if there's a break in the middle or like two breaks in that, like in America, that's really hard because then you have to start almost from zero again and be like, oh, before right. the break, if you do remember, we were talking about this, etc. But yeah, it's very different for sure. Um, but I think both are have value, right? And I think especially if I see like clips um, in recent years from American sports, they are also leaning into kind of doing more individual segments that can be reposted on YouTube and that just have a different way of talking about things. I think in general, um, sports broadcasting is also going through an evolution because they have been introduced to what esports was dealing with from the very start, which means the live interaction of everyone right. on Twitch chat and on YouTube and constant feedback and, and making sure that they incorporate those opinions. And I think it's, I mean, it's coming, it's, more on the same path than it was, I think, um, because and I've worked with uh, media outlets um, in Europe, uh, in Belgium specifically as well, and talked to them about esports, and they are interested to know, and they are interested to know how esports broadcasts function, and they have their eyes open for it, but they're not necessarily, you know, especially the Belgian ones. It's like, yeah, yeah, we'll see, you know, mm -hmm. an esports division on our website. Eh, that's a bit too early. And I'm like, mm -hmm. too early. You're five years too late. Yeah, it's you like, know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first generation of gamers is like already past most journalists. All retired. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, um, no, yeah, because I, I was I, I wanted to talk uh, about that a little bit as well. You. Um, you're now currently based in Berlin, and I've seen it last year. You came on Sports, I believe, which is a very yeah. traditional uh, program. How how was how was that? How do you feel the connection with with Sports, for example? Are there any plans? Is there is there anything we can know? Is there anything you t can well, tell us about that? Uh, they reached out. Uh, they often reach out. Oh, damn. I just remembered that I didn't reply to one of their emails. There you go. I'm like good for something. <laughs> oh, no problem, uh, but anyway, <laughs> They reached out um, to do like a kind of dummy introduction to League of Legends and to some, for some esports concepts. And I think that does speak to an idea of, oh, 
you know, maybe we should do this. Uh, and it was really cool working with them because for me, it's really awesome going to like the redaxi, like going to, because it's in the buildings of the, the VRT, which is the news, um, the biggest, one of the biggest, or the biggest, I guess you call it because it's government subsidized, right? I don't know right. how to say that in English. Open matter yeah. omroep. Um, it's really awesome because it's huge floor of just news being made in studios, and it's it was really cool for me. I was fangirling a little bit, <laughs> um, and it was really awesome. Um, I came in and we had like a brainstorm for a few hours with uh, people from the sports. Um, the sports desk and just talking about, okay, how do we want to do this? How would you want to do this? Is this a good plan? Should we do it like this? What will talk to your audience? How can we, um, how can we show this the best? And then we came up with this green screen concept where I, I explained League of Legends and whatnot, but it was also more like a, hey, let's talk to each other and see how we can talk about ideas. And they were very, very respectful and very interested in all that. And I even got to, uh, I even got to go to the pub later at night and have a couple of beers with like some legends wow. <laughs> that I was like been watching growing up. And I was like, oh my God, this that is crazy. Is cool. and I was like, ah, you're, you're the girl from eSports. Wow, you guys do amazing stuff. And it was really, really cool to me that they were all very like, you guys really do crazy good stuff. I mean, it's, it's very cool to see. And I was like, wow, so it is being noticed. Yeah. But I think it, there's a difference between it being noticed, especially by other journalists and people who want to work on it and the higher ups, right. who obviously the bottom line is how many people are watching and how much money can we make out the of it, money, right? That's yeah. just the way that's the way things work. Uh, work. But I do find that uh, in general, I don't know, there, people are noticing a lot more than they, they were. Uh, I think also because if you see like video games bring in more money than the movie industry, you know, because of, I mean, it's, you don't even have to explain it because it's such a, a big pastime. And I mean, some games are movies and, and feature Keanu Reeves and whatnot. So Absolutely. it's just such an intense business. Um, I got to go to the Brit Awards last. No, it can't have been last year. It must have been the year before before pandemic. Probably. No, it was, I, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, I talked to some people from some football clubs, uh, I think Chelsea, AS Monaco and whatnot. And um, the this older man came up to me, he was part of the board of, or something of one of those teams. And uh, he made like a joke, which I found was really funny. He was like, oh, you you guys do esports. Wow, you are sure on the wrong side of history, am I right? And then he was like, no, it's us. We're on the wrong side of history. <laughs> and I was like, that was just so cool. That's pretty funny. Because he, bam he bamboozled me. Uh, and then we had a good conversation. So people are definitely interested, but... Yeah, I would love to see in Belgium for sure, like an outlet really, really doing esports coverage, right. uh, which I guess is made harder because it's hard, you know, uh, in Belgium because you can, you know, set up the tournaments and stuff. But the best thing that works is, I guess, if you have pro players that do a lot and, and stuff like that, and if their league really takes off, which is obviously now starting with the Belgian league as well. But the thing is, when it comes to like me or Whippo, for instance, for us, it's much more interesting to focus on the international market than it is on Belgium, per se. And I know that sucks for Belgium, but it is just the reality of, of um, our priorities, I think, right? Of course. Do you understand yeah. that? I, I completely understand that, and, and, and I kind of follow that as well um, in the sense of we, we, uh, we've, we've done this podcast multiple times, and, and I talked to you know, a couple personalities in the esports world. And I was talking to Philip Langerok uh, of Lowland Lions. You might know Lowland Lions. Um, and he said, he said the same. He said, you know, our team, it's, it's going to be, he's, he's, he's very, you know, definite. He's saying our team is going to be the first professional team in Belgium in the Benelux. But he says, I'm also very realistic that for the players, 
if they want to grow out their career, we are just going to be the, you know, the base plate, like the, the first step. And first level, yeah. they will go to Berlin. They will go to, you know, if you go to a bigger team, I believe Fnatic, Cloud9, all those guys have a, a Berlin base. Uh, or or Cologne, maybe, uh, I think there's... there's uh, London there's, as well. London, yeah, yeah Amsterdam. Exactly. Uh, not Amsterdam, Utrecht, I think. Yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah. Uh, sounds. Team Liquid. Uh, yeah. That's like yeah. Team Liquid, but like Belgium doesn't really have a gamer house. Doesn't really have a, 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 a stuff like that. I think. How far do you think Belgium is, in your opinion? Because I know you've you've seen a lot a lot of things come and go in your career, and I'm sure you followed Belgium quite closely because it's still your home country. How far do you think we are from, from that point? Because we could be on a pivot point. It's weird because the, uh, I think there's enough initiatives. And there's also, um, I think, sponsor interest has, especially in the last two years, I think, accelerated. Uh, I think probably also because of the moniker of the Belgian League, because that immediately invokes OLEC or right. the success or the Spanish League or the French League, which is, by the way, absolutely nuts how big the LFL has become. Um, and that's, that's, I think that's the most important step because I said, you know, without, without funds, you can't really make anything happen, but it does make me wonder why it hasn't like absolutely, and I wouldn't say exploded yet, but like gone faster. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't, I really don't know what it is. I, and I think he, uh, Philip was, was right on the money there with like, it's just not as interesting, um, to be like a star or an esports player or a pro player specifically in Belgium, I would probably even say Holland, right? Everyone wants to go to the big leagues. And that is the same as Belgian footballers, right? Why would they play in the pro league if they can play for Manchester City? Yep. Or if they can even play for second division in Spain, I would say. Um, it's exactly the same. But football, of course, has the uh, advantage that it's been around for so long and that it has a whole structure, you know? And I yeah. almost think that Belgium missed the boat a little bit and not investing in everything like from the very start like in 2011 2012 2013 when everything started um when there were also belgian pro players who had huge platforms and whatnot and that there were not then sponsors who saw the opportunity that there were then not traditional media outlets that saw the opportunity um but it's also understandable right and it's, I get this question a lot and I really just don't know because everything there is, is, is there. There's also dedicated people in Belgium mm -hmm. who want to make it happen. Um, and I'm really hoping that with um, like the Belgian League now, for instance, they, they're doing a lot and they're putting out content and same for the Dutch League, by the way. They're putting out content, there's banter, they're trying to build up their players, etc. But yeah, it's hard also because I think in part also because Esports coverage is not just esports coverage anymore, which it was in 2012. It is a social media business. Right. And there are just, there's so much content out there and there are so many content creators. So to establish yourself at one of, as one of those is just become exponentially more difficult than it was uh, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Do you feel, do you feel that? So we, we've talked about the money part right now. I think, I think that's quite, quite, um, Quite a big part in any endeavor, uh, the money part is is it's like you said in football, a big part of the reason that football is so big, um, and also reason why because people are always like, yeah, but why is uh, esports? Because League of Legends is a big game and Fortnite is a big game, and we'll talk about Fortnite later, but um, it's a big game, and I'm like, yeah, but that's also the reason 
baseball is not a big sport in Belgium because there's no money in it. There's no money being yeah. put into it. If money would be put into it, it would be bigger. But do you believe it is the sole reason or do you believe that we, you talked about the French League, that we are missing some high quality initiatives such as the things that have that have been done on, and I'm not only talking about um, uh, Twitch or, or, or even League of Legends, I'm talking about the whole French content creation and social media presence. They, their influencers, esporters, it's abs absolutely insane. I mean, they're also they they are a bigger country, right? So that right. is a, you, right. there's more to pull from. But then on the other hand, I give you the Belgian football players. Like we are such a tiny country who um, have been able to foster so much top tier worldwide football talent that are literally at the top of their game. Um, so you could say it shouldn't like same for like Japan and League of Legends. Right. Very small player base but we're able to to fight with the best at MSI. Um, so it shouldn't be a condition for uh, the talent, because the talent is definitely there, but are the incentives there as well? And I think one thing that is very important is the way the media portrays esports and the way the media portrays gaming. And in that regard, Belgium is definitely behind still, mm -hmm. but it's also drastically improved in the last couple of years, but very much that stigma, right? Of gamers are basement dwellers um, and it's not something you should pursue and it's super unhealthy, blah, 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 blah. And that framing still being there for the longest time and not being like honest in your reporting about it. Uh, and I get that question a lot as well. And it's like, yeah, is being addicted to gaming a bad thing? Sure. But like, of course. so is being addicted to other things. Like everything, nothing should be, like could should like take over your life and, and make you unhappy of course but that goes for everything right. right it's all about how parents um you know obviously deal with it because i my mom used to say you've been in front of the tv for three hours go outside it's the same thing it's Absolutely. just a different screen right so uh, all that things and i think that framing is a very important thing i know that in france uh, there's been a big emphasis i think also because and that Okay, that's actually also a good reason. So Riot started to do, um, Riot and other esports, but especially Riot started to do a lot of events in France from the very beginning, um, especially Paris, of course. Um, but there's been like world championship stops. There's been MSI finals. There was All-Stars back in 2013. That helps because bringing a big event to a country means that all the media will want to come all of a sudden. Right. Because uh, they'll be like, well, what's this, you know, like what's going on here? <laughs> right. And then they see it and then the sponsor see it because the single best way to attract a sponsor to esports is bringing them to an event and putting them in that arena. Well, damn Corona, of course, but <laughs> when it happens again and let and like letting them see the professionalism of the broadcast, of the commentators, of the hype, of the fans, of the small kids that ask their, their parents to buy them a Fnatic jersey so they can cheer for them. Sponsors see that and that's when their eyes really open. Same for media, right? Um, and then they really realize that this is that this is just a hobby. This is a pastime that that lots of people are incredibly passionate about and are very comparable to sitting in a football stadium and, and watching the match. Um, and I think all of that framing is probably also missing a bit in, in, in Belgium. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a very layered, uh, yeah, a, a layered thing. Absolutely. But as I said, like, you say, I, I, I mean, I don't follow Belgian esports that much, I have to say, because you said that and I was like, oh, I don't actually. I mean, I do. And I try and pick up to all the, the major in initiatives and whatnot. Right. And 
I've been a part of many of them as well. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a layered it's a layered issue. But uh, I mean, we can only be optimistic, right? Right. I'm taking away from this that nothing is just black or white. Um, and and like you said, uh, the, the the framing uh, the framing part is very interesting because. The, it's still like that here, uh, like, like you said, and I've seen differences with, you know, I've got relatives and friends in other countries and they're, you know, they're not educating their children the same way we do. They're they're not talking about gaming the same way. I'm going to say most Belgians do. I'm not going to say everyone because yeah. nothing is just black or white. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but like you say, the the, uh, the addiction part is a thing that that should be uh, should be definitely uh, addressed. And, and I think that's that's really one of the things that that is still taken away by the media rather than look at what these gamers have done. Um, yeah. Also, I think um, like the, 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 the positive stories, because I'll never be one to say like it's all everything. It's all good. Right. I think right. also with, you know, the, the high level of um, kind of the Internet and the inherent dangers of the Internet for anyone, but especially for young children. Obviously, that's all stuff that has to be regulated. But that's something that we should then evolve with as and I'm not a parent, obviously. So I'm definitely not going to speak for parents because they I know it's incredibly difficult Absolutely. Um, to raise children. But um, these are all I like, kind of things that you know it's just evolution you know and we, we're all gonna have to evolve with it and maybe tomorrow it isn't gaming on a pc anymore but it is ar and vr just or maybe and in 30 years we don't even know what it's going to be right but the digitalization as a concept is just going to keep happening Absolutely. um uh so yeah it's it's a very interesting thing to to think about i i usually when people ask me a question and it's again one of those things where it's about the way the question is asked in the media because it's always like isn't it horrible that these kids are in front of like playing a game yeah. and i'm like am i horrible i did that's what i did growing up and right. i've made a very big career out of it and in fact i was a very introverted child i'm still introverted even though it might not look like it i just put on a great show i guess um but uh as a child i was like i would climb trees and i wouldn't really want to interact with people and i would focus on um gaming and watching football, uh, playing with Legos, also playing with Barbies, like anything. And I was bullied in school very, very, very heavily, which made me kind of, yeah, shut down as a person. Um, and then when I was 14, I discovered Unreal Tournament and I played online and I learned to interact with people over the internet that I eventually then saw at LANs and that made it easier for me to open up to them because we all loved gaming, so it was easy. And that helped me become a more open person in my in the rest of my life and in a way also led me to who i am now so i always give that counter example right um because that, there's many examples of that you know also of introverted children or uh, of people with learning disabilities that find a way to express themselves through uh games um, and there is also very specific educational games nowadays as well right so it's just as you say it's very nuanced there is the bad but there's also so much good Right. The the I think and I think that um the world of gaming also just you know changed tremendously since um the Pac-Man competitions where yeah. people would just you know fling all their money in, into an arcade cabinet. So that I, and and I think that that's the vision people kind of uh, kind of still have in their in their head and and that needs to change a lot. You you were talking about your 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 early days as a gamer and I would like to pick up on that cuz I have got some questions uh, about that as well. You you're talking about um if if I can pick up on that if you don't want to talk about it that's fine. You you're 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 talking about being bullied. Can could you tell us a little bit more about that? Was that because of 
being a gamer because I know that I, I in my time and I'm really going to talk about myself when I was uh, 13 14 years old I was a very very competitive counter-strike player and i never talked about it with my friends never because they so would laugh cool. yeah I, no yeah they, <laughs> they wouldn't they wouldn't have they wouldn't have found it cool my friends like i literally just reunited with some friends from that period and they they I, i'm amazed at finding out they said like yeah we were playing counter-strike at home the whole time as well we never talked about it because it oh just God, wasn't it's cool crazy. it's really weird and i don't know if that's do you feel that that's the reason are, are those similar things that you have experienced in the past or absolutely not um i think so there i think in terms of my parents perception uh my mom it was very much like what what the hell are you doing like why are you on the computer what are you playing and who are you talking to on Teamspeak? <laughs> um that was definitely it i think in terms of school people didn't really know it was more that i was like not a girly girl um which was I think that's hopefully improving nowadays. Um, but I was like not a traditional girl. I wore hand-me-down clothes because we didn't have a lot of money at home and I didn't really care about what I was wearing as long as it was warm or cold. Like right, <laughs> it was yeah. fine for me. Um, I was a, I was a, a strievertje. I studied very, very well. <laughs> I always wanted to get top marks. I, I just, I liked studying and I thought that was important. I gamed and I didn't really hang out with friends necessarily to watch football. And, uh, all, right. all that stuff very intensely so i didn't really care about everything that in that age group of like 12 13 like puberty and girls was important i guess to them which was then um you know makeup and nice clothes and boys attention and whatnot uh i i was also like a late bloomer i would say for sure so yeah. i was just like not bothered i was all just right. like in my own world uh, but i think especially the getting good grades made people very very angry at me because you know what you know what it was like in high school when you're like and you do the the punten van de toets the the marks on the test uh, if you 20 20 on 20 or whatever <laughs> it's like yay and then they would like yeah. throw things at my head like they would throw blanco rollers you know th those like things yeah if you make uh, a mistake you can like roll them out i don't know if they, they still would... exist yeah they, they would do. like throw stuff like that at my head wow. uh, and be like strever whatever or whatever like stuff like that and Horrible. i would always be like left alone in the playground and just always like bullied because of what uh like i just didn't care about my appearance and whatnot and mm -hmm. yeah it sucked because it was like thinking back on it, it was like well why the hell am i getting bullied for doing what you're supposed to do in school that doesn't make any sense yeah um, and but yeah yeah i've got i've got younger relatives as well and i feel that it kind of it's kind of changed in that in that uh, I don't know if you 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 know if you talk to to younger kids, but it it kind of changed. It's pretty cool to be a gamer now. It's pretty cool to be smart. It's pretty cool yeah. to be a geek, and I kind of yeah. dig that because in my day, That's cool. it was the same. I would get bad grades just to be not you know bullied or or anything. I would I would just like get you know not fill in questions just to be sure that I'm not twenty out of twenty just yeah, it's stuff what? like that so that's 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 really interesting that you that you talk about that because um it's um i think it's a thing that should be addressed and that should be talked about and especially by people like you that i don't know kind of you kind of you can kind of um have that little uh, skater boy uh, avril lavigne moment like look look at where i'm standing now what are you guys doing <laughs> like they're probably yeah. they're probably at home gaming league of legends and thinking like god damn it <laughs> i was throwing I mean, blanket yeah. rollers at that girl <laughs> that's yeah like, uh, I, I, it's funny i try not to like i don't 
I don't believe in holding a grudge necessarily. No, of course not. Um, of course negative not. energy. But it is a bit like, well, well <laughs> you want riot points uh, now? <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, but look I just like uh, I like helping. I like helping for sure. Right. Uh, yeah, it's very very interesting. I wonder if a lot of it, because you just made me think of something. I wonder if some of it relates to kind of the flex culture now, because now it's like, look at everything I have. Look at my good grades. Look at me getting into this university. I guess also the toxic kind of university culture in America, right, where it's like impossible to get into Harvard, even if you have great grades and stuff like that. But you are right. It's become maybe it's just because we're in the gaming world. I'd have to ask people that were not in the gaming world. But I do think generally it's like more applauded to just apply yourself in life. Mm -hmm. um, right. And I think also just expressing yourself and having different things you're interested in are appreciated more. I hope. I agree. I agree. I think I I, I think that that could be the thing, um, and and also I think just that there's more welcoming platforms like Twitch and 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 and, and things like that that didn't exist when when we were younger. I think we might be roughly the same age, um, and 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 all those things just didn't exist. You, there wasn't really a safe haven for you know. No. The, there the, was IRC. <laughs> yeah, there was IRC and MRC, MIRC and, and, and stuff like yeah. that. But, you know, you were I was talking in like um, Steinkohl uh, man angles, uh, like really bad English on those English forums. I was on a forum called Game Gossip back in the day because there was there was nothing else. And, and I was like in, in really like child English trying to explain what games I liked. Um, I think I was on the Telenet like game boards oh, or something. Uh, you remember those? What was that? Or was, was that it Telenet or what was it? Nine lives, yeah. yeah. And yeah. then there was an, there was another one. There were also like forums. Maybe but don't you notes. think we learned to play to speak English better because of gaming? Because I hundred percent, absolutely. Television <laughs> and gaming, absolutely. Like television, teach me how to read English because we we you know uh, how to listen to English and and, and yeah. read subtitles and stuff. And gaming, absolutely. The moment that I got it. Oh my god, we cracked the code. That's it. We've cracked the code because this—it's really that. Because I used to think it was just the subtitles, uh, because things aren't dubbed in Belgium or in Flanders, at least. Uh, so that's really nice. But you're right. And then we had to—you have to write because most people speak English in in the gaming that you're talking to. So you have to learn. That's true. You had to yeah. when you were playing Counter Strike with some guy in Poland. You couldn't <laughs> say like, "Hey, Hannah links." No, no. You had to say, "Well, uh, you go to the left uh, now. I go to the right. Is that okay?" Uh, you, you had we had to. that classic Flanders English accent in Absolutely. the beginning. Absolutely, I, I yeah. had it. I still have it. The Flanglish accent. It's not. It's. A th I cannot get rid of it. So that. But that, I like it. I'm sad I don't have it anymore. It's yeah. Well, you don't. You absolutely don't. But I, talking about languages, it's. I know it's a classic question. You get asked to it, and I didn't want to ask because because. You, Everybody asks you this question. How many languages do you speak? I, it's one of the questions on Twitter that I got like 20 times. So oh, I yeah. see that you're doing with something with Spanish now. You're, you're like Yeah, I'm learning up. Spanish. Wow. Yeah, okay. trying, to, trying to learn because I, I, uh, I got a little bit of it in school. And then um, uh, because of being in League of Legends and how the Spanish players and the Spanish scene is so prevalent, you always see content in Spanish. Um, but obviously... Uh, Flemish, so Dutch, uh, French, which I used to be fluent in, and you can probably attest to this because in Belgium, you obviously get a lot of French in school. Um, and then I worked at the auto salon selling okay. cars that I had to speak French and not just French. I had to know all the car parts in French and I don't even have a driver's license. So that was like <laughs> hard mode. Um, but at that point, my French was probably the best. But now it's re I mean, I still talk to Laura a lot. And when I start and when I apply myself, I get into the groove again. But it's it's taken a backseat to German because I've lived in Germany for 
almost seven seven years now oh my god <laughs> well i can't believe it i'm practically german so i speak a lot of german and i invest a lot into my german because i always do i also do a lot of content creation in german which is important for my brand and it's just a really cool um like cool community to be part of yeah um then obviously english <laughs> i was almost forgetting and then now i'm learning spanish uh with a teacher and i'm just wow. trying to practice it so it's five yeah. Uh, if I can, four and a half. Well, let's say four, let's say four, four and a half, and then, or like three in any situation, and then French after a bit of practice, and then Spanish hopefully in a year. Four, <laughs> let's four, put it that way. Four and three quarters. Let's let's yeah. let's uh, let's uh, make it a, a Harry Potter uh, reference and uh, say four yeah. and three quarters. Um, any any other languages in the in the pipeline? Russian maybe uh, to get that uh, that big part of the world, or, or, or maybe I mean, Japanese. I mean, I'd love or... to learn. Yeah, I'd love to learn um, Mandarin or Korean. But that's because people are always like, "Oh, it's so impressive you speak so many languages." And I'm like, mm, "Yes, but also other people have different proficiency, right?" I can't do math to save my life. I don't understand chemistry or science, uh, like any of that. That doesn't work. But language, I like. Right. And I pick up pretty quickly. And I really love learning. So um, it's just like, say, because people are like, oh, my God, it's so impressive. I'm like, it's quite impressive, but it's all about applying yourself and what, you, what you're good at. You have to find what you're good at. And this is something I'm good at and I like doing. Um, and also, none of my languages are perfect. Maybe English is the the best one because I speak it so often better than Dutch, maybe because I, I like you probably have the same thing, but I use so many English words when I'm speaking to my friends, oh, yeah, uh, to my course. friends or like even German words. And they're like, they're just I say something, but I use the German word or something. And they're like, what did you just say? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, this. And they're like, that's German. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, now, now it's Flemish. <laughs> now it's Flemish, exactly. Because, uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen you. Uh, I've heard you talk uh, German. Your German is is wow. That's well, seven years kind of, you know, pushes you into speaking German. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess. none of my, my some of my colleagues have lived there for seven years and they can't even order really? bread in, in, the, in German. And not, no, not, not naming and shaming, not no, naming and well. shaming. <laughs> but how do you survive? How do you survive not speaking? By I'm asking me what to do their paperwork. No. <laughs> yeah. That is wow. That is well. Yeah, they they're lucky they have you then. I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not just me, by the way. They usually they ask the German speakers actually okay. the Germans in the yeah. office. Yeah. Um. So let's go back all the way to the beginning, like all the way back to 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 little Efje, uh, back in Belgium. How, what is the first memory in your head uh, that of you gaming? What's the, your first memory? My first memory uh, is playing, um, I don't even know what that's called anymore. You remember that game, which was, I think you got it off, that was the the Nintendo. Which Nintendo was it? I know, 64? I don't know. But the way you got those orange guns, the clay duck shooting. Yeah, that's, that's, Do you the, remember that's that? the NES, that's Duck Hunt. Oh my god, that's the NES. Yeah, so that, that long ago. Um, yeah. It was in, um, in my father's... Uh, so my uncle's house, let's say, uh, and the, they had three children and they had an NES. They played Mario and then we played Duck Hunt. That's like my earliest memory, I think. And then I remember begging my mom for a console and she was like, I'll see what we can because we didn't have that much money. It was like, we'll, we'll see what we can pick up and then add some at a Rommelmarkt, which is like a, a, a scrapyard, I guess. No, it's not really scrap. It's like it's something flea market. Yeah, uh, she picked up a Sega. 
Wow. Um, and there was um, a Mario knockoff on that, yes. which I don't know what it's called, but it was actually really good. I mean, I thought at least. Uh, and no, I would yeah, play it was that. good. Uh, do, you, do you have any idea what that was called? Because I only have a memory of it and it was really fun and really difficult. I can let you know. I, I kind of have almost every Sega Mega Drive game yeah. in, in existence. Ah, yeah, <laughs> so. it was like a, a small character, obviously. I, I do remember it. Hair. I do remember it. I do, I'm sure Crash Tube in chat is a guy that plays a lot of retro games. I know, so he might let us know. So yeah, if anybody in chat know. knows, let let us know. Uh, it's like not a big description. And then also what I remember, just because you said it, uh, and because the console is behind you, but um, I would play a lot of Mortal Kombat in oh, the, yes. the Ardennen, which is like a part of Belgium, um, where my parents and me, uh, or my mom, we would always go on holiday. Uh, which again, we just drove somewhere and sat in a chalet. And then there was this cafeteria where obviously the parents like to have a coffee and a couple of beers. And I was always like, can I have coins, please? Wow. Uh, and I would just go play Mortal Kombat for hours and hours and hours. That was so much fun. We literally talked about this yesterday with some people. And I was talking about Virtua Fighter. I don't know if you remember that one. The, no. Like it's a wide arcade. And it was very slick, very modern. And... I was I'm I, I I can still remember this and I was like six years old and it's imprinted in my brain just putting in twenty uh, uh, like a thing of twenty thousand yeah. francs back in 20 the day twenty yeah. francs putting it there in there and trying to play as long as possible because I don't know well I I think we could, we were kind of in the same situation yeah. I didn't get yeah. like twenty you know coins no. I got one or two maybe and I I one had, or two I had to play with that and if you get a fifty franc you could play three times. Mm. And yes. then you were like, that was, that they was, were going. games were on. There's this other fighting game as well. There's this other fighting game, which I also played on the Game Boy. Uh, Killer Instinct? No, Killer Kill Instinct? Killer no. Instinct, I believe, is a fighting game. I played uh, Soul Calibur a lot on the on the arcades. That was yeah. one, that was a big one. There was also a racing game that I played. That was also there. And then sometimes, you know, when you saw like it, it like five years later, you would have like more then very modern games where you could actually shoot at people. But I, I still really enjoyed that old school experience of just mashing buttons in Mortal Kombat. And then I remember I would just be like, um, I don't know, what's her name? The purple one with the, is it Katana or? Ka no. uh, with the veil, you mean? Yeah, with the veil, one of the, oh, the, the ladies. Um, I'm sure some, I'm looking at chat right now. So and there it, was also someone with like, a, you know, one of those. I can't. I don't remember yeah, anything. yeah. yeah I, refer, I refer to those characters the same way. You're not going to get any help from me because I do the same with Street Fighter don't as well. Don't they really remember Scorpio or Sub Zero? And then for the rest, it's just like. I think it's. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Melina, the one with the veil. Yes, I think, Melina. Yeah, 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 Melina. yeah, yeah. And then I would be like in, in the garden, I'd be like. <sighs> That's yeah. yeah I I I it's a have, good time. It's, it's a good time. It's good times. I I I have the same memories. It's cool because we're we're about the same age. I'm pretty sure now. Are you an only child? I am an only child. Yes. Me too. That makes a lot of sense. It, it makes yeah. sense because it's it's just a thing you would you know you would be alone and they would give you twenty francs and you would have to kind of you know amuse yourself. Uh, so to say, so you were like, you know, hours and hours on the computer or like you say, just in the garden, just making up your own stories. I don't know if you had yeah. that. And uh, yeah. I don't, that's that's the next question I wanted to ask. How much um, when did you kind of realize, did you realize as a, as a younger child that you wanted to do something with gaming or that you wanted to continue in that endeavor, be it hobby wise or even competitive playing? Um, but I mean, as, as a child. 
No, like it's weird because now that I think about it, because I never really thought about that. It's very, very good questioning. Um, is that I only realized it when I was doing it. So, because right. um, like I loved gaming, but I think it also wasn't that whole like, because my parents were always like, what the hell are you doing? Go outside, that kind of vibe. Um, and then when I started playing Unreal Tournament, uh, I was so into that for like three, four years. I was so into like homework and then practicing for four hours, playing scrims, talking about tactics, reading the clan base reports, writing the clan base reports. Um, I was so into that. It was crazy, but I, it was always this, uh, this external thing of like, this is not what you're supposed to be doing because gaming is not good for you. Always. Even though we went to land parties and we won like OCC, you know, OCC and FOM and everything, um, the Belgian big lands, uh, and we would like win or get actually second place off, often first um, Majestic Five. <laughs> but anyway, we, I'd come home with like, with like surround systems and things that we won at the land, and my mom would see how happy it made me, but it was still always like, ah, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. So when I went to university, um, I couldn't take the PC because we only had one. So uh, it was just like, well, that's it, <laughs> you know, that's it. And I was like, I still I have to focus on my on my gaming anyway. And then in like the last year, I, well, I, I was working in um, the quick. It's like McDonald's for international viewers, but Belgian slash French version of it. So I would work in uh, this burger restaurant on the weekends when I came home from, from university. So I'd have a bit of disposable cash for the first time. And then I bought a PlayStation to play Tomb Raider because that was also one of my original. Awesome. Uh, Tomb Raider 3. What Holy a game. Crap. What a game. What yeah. a game. The memories yeah. are unlocked right now as you're saying. Do you know that click when somebody talks about a game that you yes. haven't heard of uh, heard yeah. uh, from in a long time? I yeah. just had that. I'm sure chat is like having that yeah. same click. Do you remember the first the first level is obviously you're in the jungle and you have to slide down the ramp is the first one and then as you're sliding down the ramp like these pins come up from the ground yeah, and you have, you to, have to, to like dodge it and oh my right. god it's and then the monkeys attack you if you attack them. Oh, it's such a great game. Do you remember uh, the first oh. one? The first Tomb Raider? That was completely I only bugged. ever played it after because oh. I started with three. So then I did two, which was okay. Two is but okay. one was so bad. It is. And it was the only one I had. And I was like playing that one over and over, trying to get out of the broken levels. Yeah. It was, and then then I, I played the, the, the second and the third one at my cousin's. And there was no internet. So I had a book. I had a, right. a physical book of... Uh, what to do if you're stuck the walk so through. i would be like yeah a walkthrough book that's so crazy but there were, oh i mean God. i, I kind of miss that yeah it was so too. cool because you were just kind of like hang on lara all right so yeah. stuck <laughs> in this level where am i where is this door there's no door here where is this handle <laughs> oh it was so much fun like oh, pictures God. this small of really yeah, somebody probably took black a picture. and white pixelated Probably somebody took a picture of their screen because I don't know how they would take a screenshot. Like it's it wasn't possible. Oh my god, it was so much fun. I love um, it. Anyway, so yeah, I got back into that, and then as I, um, as I finished school, uh, so as I finished my masters, it actually no, when I so I did a teacher's degree after my um, journalism masters because I just did not want to start real life, and I thought. Well, hey, having a teacher's degree is very useful. Biggest mistake, not biggest mistake, because it's a great diploma to have, and it's a great like it's great study but it's so difficult it's yeah. like a year of internships going to schools writing like papers going to every class and 
I mean, for someone who went to university in Belgium, you probably know attendance is not mandatory, mandatory. Like if you don't show up for every class, but someone has given you the notes of your studied, obviously for some things you have to go because it's like for sure, like an engineering and whatever, like, yeah. of course, but like in history, what I did some classes, I was like, I'm not getting up at 7am to go to this. Like, uh, it was like, uh, it's called paleontography, which is like a writ old texts, like middle-aged texts. And you have to be wow. able to decipher them. So it's like at 8 a.m. it was like, and this is the way that A was written in 1346. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Uh, so basically, but in uh, the teacher's degree, yeah, they took attendance. I guess it's because to instill the values of teaching in you. Um, but anyway, then after that, I was like, well, I want to be a sports journalist, but I don't know where to start. And my friend who I used to play Unreal Tournament with, the Gilles, the Crexis, mm-hmm. um, he was like, uh, hey, I was like, does anyone still play Unreal Tournament? And he's like, nah, it's kind of dead, Unreal Tournament 9099. But I've been playing this new free-to-play game called League of Legends. And I was like, ah, never heard of it. Uh, and he's like, well, just play with us. And I played and I was like, I hate this. I was like, this is like, I, I want to shoot. I want a first-person shooter. And then he was like, trust me. And then, of course, after a month, I was like, when are we playing League? This is such a cool game. Um, and then I... Because as I was getting more and more frustrated about myself, because I was afraid to apply to like Sporta or traditional sports outlets to work, um, I was like playing league and watching league and watching these tournaments and uh, like waitressing tables and working at the the McDonald's or like hostessing. Like I had a job. Oh my God. I was looking at it yesterday on my Facebook page of like then. I was like a, a Jägermeister girl. So I'd go to bars and give out shots of Jägermeister, right. uh, which was like part of a Jägermeister effort right? a couple of years ago. Um, I would like, I, I on the Memorial van Damme, do you know what that is? It's like the yes. running competition in Belgium. I would give I've like the flowers there, yeah. to the winner. Yeah, me too. It was just like all these jobs uh, because I was like afraid to do the real thing. Uh, and then is actually when I thought, huh, like if I like sports and if I study journalism and esports is like sports and I know about it, why wouldn't I write articles about esports? Oh, I found this piece of tape randomly that's here. Um, that's fine. Why wouldn't I <laughs> you can, you write articles fiddle. about It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know what, what, where this has come from. So, um, and um, so then I wrote, uh, a, like I applied to SK Gaming and to an old website called ESVI, which doesn't exist anymore. And I would just write articles for uh, them. And even then, so I'm still talking about your question, don't worry. Even then I was like, ah, you know, Sadly, this is probably only going to be a temporary thing because this oh, yeah. is not a viable career path. And um, we, I, so what my life looked like was it was like uh, I would wait tables at the Halve Man, which maybe you know, it's like a brewery in Belgium. They have a cafeteria with all kinds of, uh, exo- not exotic beers, but Belgian beers, but like um, it's called Brugse Zot. It's like a, a, yeah. a specific type of beer. So I would work there, for instance, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Then on Friday, uh, actually on Thursday evening late, I would fly to Las Vegas to cover IPL, which was a tournament in America. Which I would then arrive Friday morning, but the tournament would already be happening. I would work through the weekend. I would interview someone, go to my room, edit it, upload it. Interview someone, go to my room, edit it, upload it. Then get extremely drunk on the Sunday night. Um, then I would fly back to Belgium. Uh, and you win some time, obviously, actually on a Monday, and you win some time when you fly back from uh, America. So I would leave 
early, early on the Monday and still arrive at like 2 p.m. on the Monday. And then uh, I would go to work at night back in the brewery because I didn't actually earn money from going to the esports event I, because that wasn't a thing back then. So obviously my parents, my mom was like, what the hell, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like, it's very cool that you get to go to all these places, but you need to actually do something with your degree. And on top of that, there was the VDAB, which is the um, employment agency out of the government in Belgium. Right. And they are really, really interested in people that had an education and don't work, but in general, people that don't work and they really try and help them. Yeah. Um, but And so I would have to come in every two weeks and talk about what I was doing and what my plans were, what my careers were. And they'd be like, hey, we have a position for you as a history teacher here, or we have a position in this company here, which you can go and apply for. And I was like, nope, I'm gonna do esports. And then I realized, right. I wanna then. do this, All right. only then. I was 24, so then I was like, this is what I'm gonna do. So how, how, long ago, how long ago is that? That's about, about eight years, eight, nine years, right? Almost 10. Almost 10. So you have a, you have a lifespan career of over ten years now. Um, when in, in esports, I mean, in professional yeah. esports. Well, that's my entire career is esports. I right. didn't do anything else, right? So. Well, yeah. you you just explained that you you kind of you know like yeah. like I yeah. did. I kind of chained up jobs until like I kind of I I organized comic cons by the way, and I kind of fell oh, into cool. that by by like chaining up these jobs until I found the moment for myself that I thought like what is this that I'm doing I'm actually oh, pretty good similar. at this yeah so yeah. it's it's kind of a similar thing so I kind of wonder in that thing since I'm reflecting a lot and and asking a lot of questions <laughs> out of my own standpoint I'm I'm wondering did you have that moment because I, I remember exactly the day and the moment that I realized holy crap I'm really good at this do you remember do you remember that moment and I thought I'm really good at this like it like i could i could make a that career never out of this came. no really That's literally no oh. um uh well maybe like but in the last year or okay. something but um but that i really want to do this and then i could make a career out of this but for me it was more like i'm one of the only people doing this that's right that's so right. i should keep doing it that's right that was more what All i right. thought uh not that i thought i was bad but i was obviously like bro like being an introvert your whole life being bullied not caring about what you look like um, like and makeup and things, which of course I did learn in college a lot more because I discovered beer and parties. Um, <laughs> but like, like being in front of a camera when you've never been or that's never been on your radar is so intimidating. Like I, I was so awkward. Like if you look at things now of then, I was like, oh my god. But it was kind of endearing. And the most important thing was there was no not a lot of content. So. Mm-hmm. That was the most important thing. And I just got in there early. And I think the fact that I kept doing it where other people didn't uh, and that I was one of the first people in that space, that is what really helped me just like just doing it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and and luckily being able to keep doing it. And even in a year of not getting paid, right, which obviously is bullshit, but uh, like being able to say, right. I'm going to I'm going to fight. And then I, I I remember I went to a couple of the outlets and I was like, hey, I know this is a thing that's very new and I know that there's not a lot of budget and whatnot, but you need to pay me and you need to pay my editors. Right. Um, and it doesn't have to be like 
tons, obviously, but let's talk about it. And they were then like, oh, you're actually right. And then, you know, I think that's a very different nowadays. Now you get shamed if you don't pay anyone. Um, right. But it was a very different time. And it was very much like, we want to do this. Yay. And then it was like, hang on, yeah. <laughs> who's going to pay the rent? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's cool that you're speaking out on that and that you're um, breaking the taboo of, of, you know, talking about money, talking about that stuff, because it's still it's still a taboo. I know in the U.S. it's 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 very more open to talk about money and to talk about that stuff here in Europe. I know I think you still feel that I think in Germany it's about the same. Talking about money yeah. is one of the things that people don't really do. And I like no. that. I like that you're breaking up that uh, breaking up breaking open that taboo oh, and, and kind so of pioneering important. it. It's very important. It's very important, especially uh, as I've been like a freelancer now for three years. It's so important because you just see people getting so fucked over. Right. Um, because people don't talk to each other and they don't expect. And that's what the companies want you to do. Right. They want you not to talk to each other. So there's even companies that put clauses in their contracts of like, don't talk about your wage or wage. we don't want you to talk about it. And then just go like, no. Like, right. we, we are at liberty to do that. And we should because that's how they want to keep. I mean, especially in the talents. There's a lot of like uh, people. Also, unfortunately, people that are starting out and that really want the jobs that push the rate down to obscene levels to right. like where they they are being taken advantage of but they want the opportunity so much that they push it down but that means that everyone else who was actually fought, fought for a fair wage for years now doesn't isn't able to do the jobs anymore because one they don't get hired because well that person is asking for and um, I don't know if anyone has a, the idea of that, of the, like 150 euros a day, which is not enough for casting a full day. Absolutely. And I know it sounds it sounds like a ton of money because it is even at the minimum, but it's show business. It's like entertainment. Right. And it's a it's a very like it's never just the casting. Right. It's the preparation. It's the social media. It's the, the stress of the live commentary and the feedback that you're su like submitted to constantly. It's very long hours. It's uh, weekend work. Uh, it's Sunday work. It's everyday work. Right. Uh, it's work until 2 a.m. Uh, all that. And it's really hard to have like a conversation about it because I think to a lot of people and also to me, if you told me at 21 that I'd be earning more than 150 euros a day, I'd be like, right. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Where is it? Show me the money. Uh, but it's also like you don't work every day, right? Sometimes you only work three days a month and sometimes you work a whole month and right. sometimes you only work one day. So it's very nuanced. Um, yeah, but I wish. In esports, definitely, people would talk more to each other and be honest. Um, and that, that doesn't mean you don't always have to be like, I earn exactly this. No, no. But you can be like, Ballpark. hey, can I ask you about this, which this company is offering me? And then I'm like, I actually think you should go. You like base rate for industry should, is 40% higher than that. And you can probably aim for 60% higher and you will probably get 30% higher than what you have now. And that would be a good starting point. Like, you know, I think people should do that more. That's but, true. Yeah. I, I totally agree and and I think ballpark figures should be yeah. should be more you know out in the open people know in the US people know ballpark figures about everything they know kind of what youtubers earn they kind of know what twitchers earn they kind of know what casters earn they kind of know what a what a I don't know a doctor earns they it's yeah. all it's all in the open they know they know yeah. and here it's it's different and like you say 150 is a lot but you're a freelancer and you know 150 is is not a lot when you're a freelancer when well when, you pay 50 percent in taxes and you do all your own stuff and, uh, and yeah. you do all your own stuff that's right yeah. um i'm 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 just wondering um 
let's talk let's talk about uh your your presenting uh um past has there ever been like a an oh shit moment like in presenting or in the situation you were in and you were like oh shit what like what's happening uh and how Positive did you handle or that negative? Mm, you can choose you can choose whatever you you want to spread you can choose i would say i would say <laughs> my question was asked in negative in a negative point ah. of view but if you want to if you want to um, share positive stuff with us I think there's oh shit moments like often I would say um but the cool thing is that as you know being an on-air talent means the most important thing is not taking yourself too seriously when you make a mistake and secondly uh being able to uh go with the flow for right. production you know because things are gonna break especially in esports hell you know it's too warm that you know players can't play the pc breaks pc breaks the internet's out the internet's out uh, all that stuff and i think going with the flow is the best thing and um, my most recent oh shit moment uh i guess was the monologue i did about fanatic during the world championship and then they ended up losing and oh my god uh, but it was so weird because like it was still editorially the right decision mm -hmm. uh because I think, you know, obviously you're free to disagree with me, but it, it invoked such a strong fan reaction that I almost went back and I was like second guessing myself. Uh, and I was like, oh, maybe like now I'm like, I wouldn't do that again. But I also like the thrill of if it ba like as I was writing, I was like, the thrill of it is so nice because if it works, it's it's, it's majestic, fucking amazing. Yep. If they lose, it's also fucking amazing because the drama, guys, Absolutely. the drama. Absolutely. And I was fully on board with that. I was just you know, obviously sad that they lost because it's my team as well, right? Uh, and then also like the, the really bad side of like, and that also connects back to how they think that I'm less professional than my male counterparts in general, even though there's no difference. Right. Uh, being like, how dare you be so unprofessional and do this segment? It's like, you don't know what the word professional means. Exactly. There, there, there's a difference between an editorial decision and for me, professionalism is, are you, do you apply yourself to your job? Do you show up on time? Are you prepared? Are you open to feedback? Um, you know, do you hit the right tone when needed, et cetera? Do you adjust like all those things? Absolutely. It's not an editorial decision of something you decided to do, um, in my opinion. But that's, some, that's one of my biggest pet peeves in esports is like people think professionalism is something else than they think it means. What they actually mean, what they mean usually is, I don't like your style. Right. I don't like your approach. Uh, but it's funny how in which discussions is, about me, I often get, oh, you're not professional. Right, which is, like, which is fine. They can, they can, I know a lot yeah. of people that absolutely dislike my style of podcasting because oh. I'm, I'm, you know, I go from one thing to the other, but, I'm I'm pretty sure nobody will will kind of ask me about it, and that's yeah. not fine. That's not cool. No, um, it's very annoying. <laughs> it's yeah, I can I can imagine that. Um, I wanted to pick up something uh, that you said, and I kind of forgot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the uh, to the next thing. Um, have you ever had uh, a, like a? Oh, I know what it was. Sorry, I I just remembered. Um, I kind of liked the speech you gave, for, and I'm gonna tell you why. I'm I loved it. <laughs> Because, first of all, it shows your genuineness. So, first of all, it shows you're a fan before everything else. Second of all, I'm 100% sure, and you can contradict me. Please contradict me if it's wrong. I'm 100% sure that you know that if it would fail, it would memeify itself. And you totally yeah. embrace that. And I, you're, you're doing online content. You know that things can be memes and can become like a huge yeah. thing. 
And like you said, if it works, it works. If it works, it would have been like the biggest, like it would have been such a good piece of, you know, that they would have taken it and yeah. they would have memefied it as well, but like in a, in a super in a big, majestic way. way, in a very different way. Yeah. And I like that you embraced it. And that wasn't really a question. It was kind of my opinion, uh, but yeah. I wanted to share it. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay. Uh, well, there's three things there uh, that I want to unpack. First off, that you're a fan. Obviously, that is the thing that people took the most offense to because... We have a history of people thinking that the European casters are more biased than any other caster in the world, which mm. is bullshit. Right. Um, I, yeah. it's, I think it's, it's amplified and not saying we are not sometimes biased and showing our fandom because we definitely are. And I personally think that's a good thing. Some people think it shouldn't be, but that would be a very boring broadcast. I'm sorry. Right. Absolutely. Um, and also like, do people not remember Monte Cristo literally wearing SKT jacket on the analyst desk and going choo-choo all aboard the Korean hype train? Do people <laughs> not remember Kobe going, I never doubted them about CLG at MSI? We love that. Absolutely. We love that. And it, of course, it can't control everything and it bleeds into sometimes the rest of the analysis, but you can't take us out of our region. And I think it got amplified by the fact that because of Corona, so many shows were out of the Berlin studio with a lot of the Berlin crew. And that, I think, amplified it in the fans' eyes as well, because, of course, it was like, well, all I hear is European. So, mm -hmm. you know, they're always talking about their teams or whatever. Plus, the fact that Europe, especially in our vacuum of our most of our viewers are NA or EU, EU has done better at every single tournament almost every single tournament in the last literally 10 years so like especially in the last years in combination with a lot of europeans on the broadcast i think that created that like well they're always talking about their teams i'm like well we can't talk about your teams if they're out sorry i know it's harsh to hear and like because i did a thought ex i did like an experiment at worlds last year because at Worlds, we always get a lot of, oh my God, you guys are so biased. So I made a segment in a um, EU versus NA matchup. And that's always the tricky ones. Because no matter what you do, they're going to say that you're biased for the EU team, even if you're not. So I uh, made together with the producers to run down. And I, you know, I, I just made it 80% NA team, 20% EU team. <laughs> Nobody noticed it. In fact, I got, I got told that I was, that I was, that we were biased and that we were only talking about the EU team. And if you look at the script of wow. that, it was literally highlight any player, highlight any team, highlight any history, highlight any strengths, even though it was the weaker team, wow. um, how they can get out of this group and what can happen here. And then, and by the way, they're playing this EU team. Let's get into the game. Wow. And I, I then, and then is when it clicked and I was like, bro, it doesn't fucking matter what we do. But right. that is all to say, it does happen. There is definitely also bias that comes into that, uh, for sure. And it's something that we constantly have to work with because you have to remember we, as everyone from a from a region, be it from Korea, be it from NA, be it from Europe, you work with these teams a whole year. You you see how they struggle. You see how they triumph. You see what they're dealing with. You want them to do well, naturally. And that is obviously something you have to track constantly on a broadcast, especially on the world's broadcast, which is now not just for Europe, but for everyone else as well. Um, but I still think, you know, the flair can be there, and especially in a host that shouldn't be as big as in other people. And I think that was maybe the capital error that I made, because in EU, we do these hype building monologues all the time. 
Uh, we do it because I think they're they're a particularly effective way to set the story for a game, mm-hmm. um, and all of us do it. Vedius, me, Trevor, etc. You know, we talk about a player or you know a stats breakdown of a player or an epic hype monologue about Gilius and Schalke 04 last year or whatever, um, because it's it's cool. But I think that I forgot that that was a very LEC specific thing which the international viewers might not necessarily have known a lot. So for them, it was really weird to see a host, which I think, especially in NA, they equate with being like this bastion of only regulating and making that the show goes well and not and like not as much like, you know, I don't know, like affinity Flavor. to one or the other. Yeah. Team. yeah, which I think, you know, Dash is a fantastic host who also, you know, you see that he's happy if an NA team had a big win because I think that's nice. Absolutely. But I think that is something that I misjudged because people read it more as, oh, my God, such a fangirl. When I was like, obviously, I want my team. I want Fnatic to win. Right. But also, I think editorially, this is this is what we should do. Absolutely. Like this is narrative. This is this is storytelling. And as you say, uh, I did think about if it goes wrong. It'll be a fantastic meme for the ages, but right. it like obviously, and it was weird because the moment I did the monologue, uh, you have on Twitter you can do like the verified tag, which is um, all the people from the industry, mostly in my case, and I saw people from all across esports, from like peers that I that I love, that were like, that was great. This is like the pinnacle of storytelling, like great stuff, great editorial decision, blah 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 blah. And I was like, ah yes, woo. I'm so happy I did something different because I always get really annoyed when it's like a broadcast and you have six games or you have like a best of five and every every segment is the same. Right. Here is the draft. Here is the early game. Here is the late game. Bye. See you after the break. I hate that. So <laughs> yeah. we're always trying to like break the mold a little bit. Right. Of course. Yeah. Um, but then after, obviously, I was one super fucking sad because I was like, well, I'm so sad they didn't win. Uh, <laughs> but you didn't see that in the segment if you no. watch that segment after. Absolutely. Besides like... Oh my God, we're from EU and ha, huh, this hurts. But hey, we got to give credit to top esports where it is due. You know, X and Y and Z. Because people always think that, what do they think we do? We're just like like this. And we're just, oh, we're just going to go and talk about Fnatic. No, we're like, hey, production, we should highlight Jackie Love's performance. Hey, production, we should uh, talk about these moves where uh, top esports really took over the game and the series. Like, you know, and then, but then obviously the, the worst side happened, which was like the death threats and like the... Yeah. Uh, like all that you fucking bitch and like uh, all that stuff and that wasn't fun but in the beginning it was really difficult but mm-hmm. after a while as you say i was like this is a golden meme this is great like this is this is what what some broadcasters go their whole lives without having a meme that is remembered as such, much as this one such a big um, hype and you embrace it yeah. and you ultimately i want to say you ultimately it worked that yeah. let's let's take that away from it it worked it worked exactly yeah. the way it was planned out and it worked yeah. and it made it made the community even bigger because there but are people i wouldn't like, do it again no i i kind of understand <laughs> I, I, I got that from what you said uh and i suppose the negative reactions kind of kind of you know um weigh into that probably if, if the, the reaction would have been good and only positive and like yeah. laughing because i know that you embrace memeing a lot well uh, the last thing that i want to say about bias is like I completely, it's like mea culpa. I know that we go too far. I don't think that monologue was a, because people also say like, oh, you don't do that about other teams and you're like an international broadcast. It's like in our broadcast goals Mm -hmm. from our producers, it actually says most of our viewers are English speaking viewers whose affinity lies mostly with the NALCS and the LEC. Then LPL in Korea as well, because they have huge fandoms and a lot of them are English speaking. 
but our core audience comes from people who watch the, the NALCS uh, or watch the LCS and the LEC. So the editorial decision in that regard makes sense because mind you, Froskeren did a top esports monologue as well the week before. Right. Because people are like, this never happens. And I'm like, it literally happened last like week. Like a week ago, like, yeah. Yeah, but the, the issue is that one, bias is also in the eye of the beholder. And it's also like, if I'm watching Belgium play at the World Cup, and I'm watching the German broadcast, I'm gonna think the commentator is biased against Belgium if he says only a little thing because I'm biased for Belgium. Right. So obviously viewers have their own bias, which colors how biased they think the broadcasters are being. And this is something that's not unique to league. And there was a tweet, I think the, the other day about machine being like, hey, if I'm not talking about your team, it's because they lost, it's not because I hate them. Like, it's like, it, it happens all the time and it's something we have to deal with, but I think, yeah, sometimes I get the unfair end of the stick because it goes back into that discussion of, oh, Shox is not professional because she doesn't like, she lets the conversation like like you, like she lets the conversation flow freely and she like makes jokes and like, that's not professional. It's like, no, that's a style thing. Right, absolutely. Like, it annoys me so much. I am so fucking prepared every time. Absolutely. Like, I know, the, I know the, the run of show by heart. If you ask me what is item 56, I will say it is the match intro to, to Misfits versus Schalke No Fear where we talk about VTO. Like, <laughs> it, it just, it, it annoys me to no end, honestly. You know, I'm, I'm just going to quote Taylor Swift uh, very uh, uh, strangely here, and I'm just going to say haters going to hate. That's that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, they're just, you know, and they are the biased ones because they don't see your, we're, we, we just said it, people, 10 years career preparing to this you don't have a 10 year spanning career in such a leading very top position if you are not at the top of your game it just yeah. doesn't exist never so i i kind of i i i i don't really like those kind of comments being made uh, against people like you against you against uh I, it's kind of the th one of the things that i that i speak out against so absolutely agree with you on that and um further into like more more your um your big arena presentations i think people kind of are asking questions about that i'm i'm wondering do you have like a little ritual to keep calm and focused because there's a lot of people there like right now i know the with the corona it's 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 a little bit you know but you've done some things with people that i, I would just be like uh well <laughs> you know yeah, how do you weird. do it I'm more nervous talking to you than I am talking to like the Staples Center or something. Oh, Cause wow. like you don't see, you don't see the people ah. most of the time. You don't like focus on one person. The worst thing that can happen is that you're in an arena and like you lock eyes with someone and you're like, oh my God, now I'm, now I'm seen. Um, <laughs> yeah, know, like... <laughs> I'm discovered, they're seeing me. Don't... <laughs> oh my God. Um, I have a slight bit of OCD. So, you know, the classic, um, I think, have I closed the door? Is the is the stove off? Right. Um, all that. And when it comes to show, I have this like, you know, uh, especially in the LEC studio. So like after makeup, I have a, it's a very set thing, and it has to be there. It's like food right after makeup, last touches in makeup, audio gets hooked up and gets fixed. Read my notes for the final time. Look in the mirror for the final time. If I don't got spaghetti in my teeth, because that has happened before, really? then go. Oh. And then I have to take an even number of things to the desk. Usually it is um, my bottle of water, my pen, and two cue cards specifically. It can also be two cue cards, because I always have cue cards. Um, 
but it can't be two cue cards and a pen or two cue cards and my bottle of water. And also if I have three cue cards or five and I didn't notice, and then it's like 10, nine, and I'm counting, I throw one away to the production or like throw it on the ground so it slides oh, really? or I can pick it up later. Uh, it's like such a stupid thing. No, and I get I it. And then I think that, oh my God, yeah. I get Something it. like that. It's it's just like meditation and you get through. And there's nothing your... on the cue cards most of the time, by the way. Oh, really? Spoiler alert. You just no. You just pretend. Well, it's like it's like comfort thing that you have something in your one hand because as you know, like sometimes, you know, you don't really know what to do with your hands. And which secondly, hands, yeah. which is kind of which is kind of sad. Uh, but uh, so I get the comment, are you pregnant? Literally every every day. And I'm like, I've not fluctuated in weight since I've like was what? 22 or 23 wait, wait, or 24. Wait. I've always been the same. People yeah. have the audacity to what? Yeah, every okay, time. I will. So, yeah. So I have like, and it's like, it also really shows that a lot of people who probably haven't interacted with women much in their lives. With people, uh, because, you uh, know, in general. There can be a belly. There can be like, I bloat a lot after eating, for instance. We get our periods. Like, you know, these things happen. Um, right. And I like food and I like beer. Uh, but also, I'm in pretty good shape. So like, right. if you would see me from, from, the front you wouldn't see anything but there's a specific angle angle on lec uh, that's like from that site where then you see like kind of the arch of where the belly is which is uh, in my case uh it's just like protection for your organs you yeah, know of course. And, yeah sure you know, and or sometimes bloating or sometimes whatever you know it's just euro cup is on so i drink human, beer every day for instance <laughs> and yeah. human body i mean the, the, it's a human uh, body. right <laughs> right uh, so i actually now most recently I'm like, all right, I just don't want to deal with it. So I hold my cue card um, at like, I can show you, uh, do I have something? I have this book here. So I hold my cue card at this angle when the camera comes from there so yeah. that you wouldn't see, which is like, there's even like, there's really, but like, so that it wouldn't even look like it if, right. if so that I wouldn't have to deal with the comments, which fucking sucks, but mm -hmm. it's kind of like a security blanket. Get it's it. kind of like, because like, it's like, oh, you're pregnant. No, I just put on some weight or no, I just like that's just right. the dress, you know, because I think like social media has really done a number on our new generation in terms of expectations and women not, not and male bodies. <laughs> a lot of numbers. A whole lot of numbers. Like, they're not they're like they're not used to seeing normal. Oh, absolutely. Normal bodies absolutely. anymore. And I know it sucks, but it's one of those things that obviously as a woman, you get like, you know, just yeah. It's whatever, and it's kind of sad, I know. I don't know what chat's saying, I know it's kind of sad. But it's also like, you just make certain decisions where you just do it so that you know you're more comfortable. That's Ch chat you is, know, like, uh, chat is, uh, is uh, just agreeing, and um, Mrs. Duck is saying, imagine being a woman in general, guys. Just like, <laughs> just try to imagine it. And she, I think she's right. Uh, um, it's, it's I, I, I know you don't... I, I, let me rethink. I, n I never do this normally. Uh, I'm just rethinking my question. I, I know it's weird to say that it's hard being a woman or an outsider just in general. In, yeah, in general. In, in, a, in, a, in this case, a man's world. And just being an outsider in something where people just kind of, you know, think one thing fits. 
but you're saying social you're talking about social media we're all it's just internet in general i'm not gonna talk about we all know what i'm referring to for body positive Im uh, images uh for men and women alike i think yeah. it's it's just one one of the things that that uh should definitely be addressed together with that uh with, with all the other stuff that that's going on in the minds of of, of uh of young teenagers and, and just young people on the internet I I, yeah. I I totally agree with you that that's that's just but what yeah, kind of animal like what in what kind of cage have you lived if you uh if you think that that saying that to someone a person on the internet also i think specifically pregnant is also if you are some of the person that even because a lot of people have good intentions right and it's not just on the internet it's also in real right. life but specifically pregnancy don't do that because you never people know. People could be dealing with reproductive issues. Absolutely. People could be wanting children, not able to have them. They could have a miscarriage. They could have other health issues. They could Absolutely. be very insecure about their weight. Like, it's just not a question you could ask. And I always say this also when people like, because they ask me, like, are you sick or are you tired? Because I have these like dark circles under my eyes. Mm -hmm. um, and I say, don't say that to a stranger. Uh, or don't say that to someone you know, just ask them, are they okay? Are they all right? How are they doing? Because hopefully then if someone wants to say something, they will indicate that they do. But like telling them that they look like shit or that, you know, obviously, are you pregnant is a different thing for, I think you look fat, obviously. Absolutely. Um, it's a different way of saying that. Just just don't do that. It's just not yeah. nice. Just they kind of think they're Yeah, they're, they think they're, they're given... Um, I think so, that's the problem with white knighting as well. Um, is that some people think that they need to you're i, I mean let me i i, I don't want to speak for you which i i won't but i think people are outspoken enough they have yeah. the the do you need do you need to get a drink because i saw your big ass cup is empty uh i need to i have like a fan oh that's the word i was looking for for melina uh oh okay yeah yeah i don't know where it is if that you, really helps if you want to look for that, that's absolutely fine. Uh, oh, no, that's okay. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I, people don't don't just don't white knight. <laughs> just don't don't do it for anyone. Like we. I don't know. I think it's like nuanced, right? Because it's also, nuanced. Things get called white knighting. That's just like. No, like absolutely. Speaking up for someone. Absolutely you know? no. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I I think that jumping in front of someone. That it can absolutely talk for 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 themselves yeah. is is just weird. It's like shooting yeah. with shooting with with a paper bullet, like that will not. And then just like oh, just doing this in front of the person. I'm yeah. like that. That's not it. Yeah, especially if you like if you like verbalize what you think they're going to say or absolutely. what you think they think about something. No, it's true. But on the other yeah. hand, I do appreciate all the people that like step in for me, and I think you can probably identify as a. Uh, 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 a host as well is that you know when people when you tweet something or you post something you do it yourself but someone answers in the third person and goes like oh i wonder what she has to say about this and it's like i i'm right here right you can ask me the question right yeah but they kind of <laughs> it's I so think funny with me it's not at the same level but i think with you they kind of think like oh it's probably a team uh, it's probably a team doing her tweets she's probably not I, I just literally we were talking and I saw you make it. I can I can vouch. <laughs> she she's doing her tweets herself. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm yeah. kidding. I'm kidding. No, you're. Uh, that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you as well. How do you balance that? Because you're you're um, very present for your fans and for the community in general. Uh, not only you know fans, but just the community in general. How do you balance that with your with your own social life? Because I, 
I'm pretty sure you still, because I, I saw that you were on vacation. Social life? You don't? Social life? <laughs> <laughs> you work the whole time. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, no, I balance it. Uh, yeah, I'm, um, I think social media has become more present in everyone's lives in the last 10 years. So that makes that kind of, you know, when you're out with friends, everyone's kind of on the phone a lot. And it's like, oh, right. did you see this? Or did you see this? Um, but uh, I, I definitely have to make like moments where I'm like, no phone today. Right. Uh, no posts today because the thing is I love posting stuff and interacting but there's always going to be people that have something negative to say which is natural or you're going to have made a mistake or whatever and then that's in my mind because then I have to reply and then I'm thinking about it and then I'm so sometimes I'm just like nope not today um also uh, you everyone I think who has a platform has to make their own and this is a very controversial topic because I know there's a lot of people who say well if you have a platform you should always use it for all the good you should spread and speak up against injustice, which I de facto do agree with, but you you do have to make choices that work with like your own mental health and mm -hmm. the things, you know, because like there's a lot of fucked up things in this world that I would like to talk about 24 seven and that I get lambasted for, for like, why didn't you send, I, I, a specific example was like, why didn't you stand up against this when you stood up against that? uh two months ago and i was like oh i did not know because um you know there are stuff that happens for instance in, in other parts of the world and in south america which i'm not knowledgeable about or i've been working and i don't know and then it's like also like one i want to be informed about the things that i speak about also there are some things that i think are approached better in my position like if it's a company that's dealing with something and i'm in contact with that company i'm going to be talking to the people in that company about what I feel and what I think should be done as well as doing my own research and talking to my own circle of offline, like my, my friends and my, my real peers about that. Um, and, Cause like, I don't know, it's a very nuanced topic and I actually do not want to get into it, but it's like a personal choice you have to make when you're on social media, or like what is your strategy going to be? Right. Um, and I know that sounds very like corporate, but it's an important thing with the platform we have. And I, cause like, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, if you don't stand up for every single thing, then you're not allowed to stand up for anything. And I'm like, that's no, because in the same vein, I think you tweet about everything in the world, but I know for a fact that you haven't actually researched or uh, researched or um, donated or actually care about a lot of these things. That's right. called virtue signaling, right? So like it's, you are both right, but like you can't be judging people because like sometimes I'm like, this is something that I care so fucking deeply about, which maybe is a fringe thing that people in general um, in my general following don't know about and then I'm like, but you know what? I don't think for my mental health It would be the best to start bringing this up now because I'm not I have heavy insomnia I don't sleep well. I have anxiety like I right now It wouldn't be the best thing for me if I start that discourse about that at this point in time Absolutely. But I will keep researching in private Donating talking to people in my circle who deal with this particular issue is if that is the case or who know more about it and make a plan for at some point in the future I will give an interview or give a podcast or put out some content or a specific piece that is really thought through about it. And I, I know some people are like, that's coward behavior and you should always step up for all the injustice. But if you haven't walked a mile in someone's shoes who, ha who has a, a, a big platform and a big social media presence and constantly gets second guess for what they are doing, like, I don't really think you can just say that. No, uh, but I understand you. I understand you. And if... If I could, I, I, I would, because I'm a very empathic person who, you know, I, I studied history and I'm very interested in, in a lot of things. Uh, and uh, I'm also someone who like 
like hopefully everyone like hates injustice and inequality and everything but i i have chosen to pick my battles for my own mental health and um yeah it's a very nuanced and difficult topic that i know but i just i really don't agree with if you don't stand up for everything you're not allowed to stand up for anything because then we would never get anything done absolutely right if that was if like yeah I, 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 I absolutely agree. And you say, um, you just said like, oh, that's that's a very corporate approach. And I, I absolutely feel that it is the the inverse of what a corporate would. Uh, oh yeah. The the negative corporation would do, because negative yeah. corporation would. Um, and I'm Only not going to post everything for a disaster everything. in everything. wherever. They yeah. would just yeah. mingle and put you know put their their fingers in the cookie jar everywhere they can. And 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 I feel that you like you say choose your battles and sometimes uh to quote michael jackson uh, if you want to make the world a better place you know start with yourself and not yeah. you don't you don't per se have to use the platform that you have to address everything in the world and yeah. let me just address a thing I, i'm not sure if you want to talk about this but you you quote it you quoted a people that said about you oh she's just a person who posts glam pictures and selfies and is just silly and not serious i saw that tweet and i was like that breaks my heart because sometimes let shocks just make our life a little bit more fun by just sharing fun moments in her life i mean life yeah. can be fun guys it's not yeah like it's 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 fine it doesn't make it doesn't make a person worth less by sharing yeah. good moments with us like it's a huge double standard it's yeah. it's it's a very it's a very big double standard. How do you handle? Because I know you're you're you're. You say you're you're um, you're uh, you're you're. Uh, uh, I forgot the word you used in in, in English. It, it just uh, but you're very outspoken. I feel on on Twitter on on those subjects. Yeah. You kind of call out people. I just I speak a lot. Maybe I'm not necessarily <laughs> outspoken. Well, I don't know. You you kind of you uh, you quote people. You just say like this is what is happening. This is what people are saying. That's my vision that on sucks. it. And that sucks. Yeah. Um but I've got I've got two questions on that. What would you advise people that are not that outspoken to to do when they they are confronted with such behavior and second of all how do you handle it because i can i yeah. can imagine that it's a lot like it i i can i can't even start to you know to to imagine that but it's it's got to be a lot right yeah and i do uh, i talk to a lot of uh, especially um especially women that are starting out in the scene uh, that ask for advice or whatever and i talk to them a lot because they often have that question they're also like well what should i say and uh, well, usually I say like in the beginning, and if you're not as equipped or if you just don't want to do that, focus on the work and focus on the work you put out and the professionalism you put in because you know your own worth and you know how good you are. And that's going to show in the work. And at the end of the day, then it does not matter what anyone says, because if you're getting hired and if you're getting praise and feedback from the people um, that make the product with you, uh, that is what matters. It Absolutely. doesn't matter then if three people say, you only got your job because you're a woman. It's like, well, maybe I did, but I still got it and I'm still slaying, you know, like. I don't, and you're still you know? there 10 years later. It's not just yeah. got it because of that, because you. Keep... No, but I, I'm very honest about that, though. I do believe that there was a factor when I started in 2013 and got the job of like, wouldn't it be nice to have uh, a girl? I, I think definitely that was the case. I, I And also that's like. That's fine if that's the corporate. I don't know if it was the case, but I can see it. 
but I always say maybe I or women in general got their foot in the door easier because of quota, mm-hmm. but they had to work a hundred times harder when they got the position to be regarded on the same level as their male colleagues. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right. it's like, right. You know, and I think we have to be honest about that as well. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I've had, I've, I've already quoted him once, uh, William Bouva had the same discussion with him and we were talking about quota in, in the entertainment world. Oh, uh, wow. and, the, and he was saying like, um, um, can you imagine that there's, there's no real quota for disabled people in, in, in Belgian entertainment? There's not really, you don't have to hire women. You don't have to really to hire, uh, you know, disabled people. You don't really have to do that. There's a little quota, but he's saying for talent, mostly it's, they, they're not obligated to, uh, to do anything. They kind of yeah. hire all those people behind the scenes. And I, my reaction to that was like, can you imagine all the wasted talent? Can you imagine all yeah. if can you imagine if if all those talented women were never chosen all those disabled people imagine if William Bouva would, would have just be, they, were, they would have been like oh he's disabled let's not let's not put him on TV it would be it, what a wasted world that is so it's kind of a it's kind of good that well kind it's it is very good that you're uh, yeah. outspoken in that and, and I and it, it's important that it keeps happening uh, now absolutely. too uh, you know because like it's it, as what you say is true because like you can also argue like. Well, it should be meritocracy, right? But then people always forget, yeah, but um, if you're not even considered for a job where other people are because you're not given the chance to apply or the information is not reaching you, that's also an issue. And it should maybe, uh, that's especially what the LEC is focusing now uh, also for a few, uh, a couple of years because it's, uh, it's not like, in the end, maybe someone won't immediately get hired the year after because you've you know, you've started looking more for talent everywhere and, and representation everywhere, but you have to start building the building blocks. You have to make sure that the job openings reach everyone. And if someone feels like, you know, they, they, you know, because they've always been told, no, you can't, you know, make sure that the, the doors are open and that the opportunities are there. And with that uh, representation absolutely matters, you know, seeing the examples on the screen, behind the screen, seeing that it is possible. And that's what I generally, uh, try to focus on and I think I think slowly but surely things are getting better um mm-hmm. there's a, a very long way to go but I, I'm hoping that slowly but surely things are, are getting better yeah. I, th- I think so too um I'm, I'm gonna address something the, the pandemic um how did that change because you you went freelance three years ago how did that change because one and a half years of pandemic now so that's half yeah. your freelance career how did that impact yeah. that well, my first year of freelance was great because <laughs> <laughs> I got to do uh, LEC, I got to do um, Counter-Strike, I got to do Blast, I got to do Red Bull events, I got to do all kinds of stuff. But then the pandemic hit and it actually had a pretty big influence. Well, one, you have to like your job becomes totally different because there's such a big difference between being in a studio and having all these tools to work with. and being at home, you know, you know it as well. Like there's a whole different emphasis, you know, the way you use your hands, the way you express your face, yes. the way you, you know, all that stuff you have to learn, which is actually really, really cool. And I think it was kind of a lost art because we we started in our bedrooms, right? right. And then we went to professional studios. So it was kind of cool. Um, secondly, for me, 
that was cool. That was very challenging, but obviously really missed being in the studio. So happy we are back. But um, yeah, for me, job-wise, it's been a bit annoying because as you say, I think as a freelancer, especially if you've been full-time for so long, it takes a while to get your name out there and get like the opportunities lined up. And then I finally got to do some Counter-Strike events, which I love. I like, I love League of Legends, but honestly, I think Counter-Strike is like one of the best esports to watch ever. Like it's just, it's really great. And I'm, I'm very interested in it. Um, so I pursued that and I got to do a blast event in Brazil, which was amazing. Then I got to do a blast event in London last year, right before the pandemic, which was amazing. And I really felt like this is cool. This is a different esports, so I can apply what I know, but also learn from everything that they know. And it's just really awesome. But then the pandemic hit and for instance, in Counter-Strike specifically, all the organizers were like, oh, well, we hired these people because um, of the pandemic restrictions uh, and this and that, and you can travel or whatever. And then right now, like when things are loosening up, they've just gotten used to all those people and I'm like not being considered anymore, uh, which kind of sucks because I'd love to do more Counter-Strike and I hope it happens because also like Counter-Strike as in terms of talent pool, English speaking talent is, oh, it's through the roof. They have so much, so they have so much great talent, uh, both in casters and in hosts and in interviewers and in everything. So I don't even think that I deserve a chance, uh, but I'm just a bit sad because like, I, I really got to work with the Blast crew and uh, got to also work very closely with production and, and try and innovate the content and stuff like that. And I'm really sad that that door closed mm -hmm. because of also the pandemic, but also like, yeah, that's just freelancer life. And I'm still in a very privileged position that I get to work so much for LEC and I got to work for LEC all through the pandemic where there are some freelancers who are out of work for months, right? Yeah. So I'm definitely not here being like, oh, boo-hoo, like I didn't get to do this when, you know, that's not it. But it's just like, you know, it's just goals you set for yourself and, and I think that's healthy. Right. A um, couple of things I'm picking up in that is uh, Red Bull. We're talking about Red Bull. We, we um, You're the global ambassador for Red Bull. Can you... Tell us a bit about that. Like how that's huge. Yeah. Well, I'm the global ambassador for Red Bull Solo Q, Solo which Q, is right. their one v one competition, and I've been for three years now, which is really cool. Uh, I think it's a really great fit for me personally because, like, as a freelancer, you think very deliberately about who you're going to partner with as well. Like, it must be things that you like, or companies that like have the, have the same values as you and that that do things that you like. So, in that regard, it's really cool uh, because the one v one competition is something that is really entertaining and really interesting and it's also a really good way for one people to kind of if they maybe want to go pro but they don't know you know to, to play on a yes. stage and to do it and to play in a competitive environment which i think is really awesome because uh, hopefully this year again we'll get to go to offline events and there is crowd there and it's like the stress of being on stage um on top of that uh red bull also like gives us a lot of liberty to like on these events kind of approach to things the way we like and you really get a chance to interact with the fans on a very deep level. Uh, I got to go to Japan, for instance, before the pandemic oh, wow. at the end of 2019, I think it was in Tokyo, which is a very important player base for League of Legends and for players, but there weren't really any, any events there. So it was really cool to just talk to players there. Um, I got to go to London as well. I got to go to Frankfurt and even cast a bit in German. So it's, I think it's a really great way um, yeah, to highlight people in the community and just to, for the community to interact with each other as well as uh yeah play some 1v1s which i by the way suck at i did a stream like last week um to talk about the eus qualifiers and i it's so hard because like i'm like a support ad carry mid player and yeah. then also very limited so i play like all in supports which actually go pretty well in 1v1 uh, adcs but i'm like not enough to cs on a high enough level in 1v1s to like only win on csing and then the the mids i play are mostly ap based uh, and actually the the game like the play of the game is like bruisers or assassins 
yeah. in the, uh, 1v1. So I was really bad. But yeah, it's really awesome. And we'll, we'll get to go to offline events this year again, hopefully, which is like the, the most fun thing to do. So I'm very excited. Fingers crossed yeah. about that. Uh, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the event world, as I just said. So I kind of, you know, cross my fingers as well. Um, I, I got a little follow up on that. I know uh, Red Bull's. I, I, is, can I just, yeah, can yes. I just uh, definitely go for a follow up? But I, I do need to run in like 10 ish minutes. No That's problem. Okay. We're, we're We've going to. We've been talking to... for two hours. Can you believe that? I know, I know. We're going to wrap up really soon. Um, the, so the Red Bull solo queues, definitely 1v1 events. They're also doing Red Bull Flick 2v2 events. Do you feel these kind of events where you don't especially need a, a big team or, or like, um, you know, you can enter by yourself or you win a friend yeah. or you win a, you know, random um do you think that that's what esports needs right now like maybe a, a small step like that the step is a little bit smaller to to kind of yeah. try to go pro well every step helps right and i think a, a good example is uh, you have like the lec and then you have the national leagues like uh, you know uh, the lfl and the lvp like the spanish and the french leagues and you see that those are just more opportunities to show yourself and to uh, play on a competitive level. Now you also have with Red Bull Solo Queue, for instance, now you can play 1v1s and you get a lot of attention. You get a lot of experience if you get to the offline portions. If you, you know, you have to trade, you have to think of strategies. You have to make sure that you're not nervous on stage. You can play in front of a crowd, all those things. Like, it's all very important. The same for uh, Red Bull Flick, like in Counter-Strike then. Because, uh, you know, that experience of, of being a pro player and being under the pressure, that is something that people really, I think, for the most part, need to learn. Like in everything that is competitive, right? Even in like a job that you may do, you can be very good at something, but can you do it in a high pressure situation? Right. So the more opportunities that there are for that, I think is always a, a net win for, for the scene. Absolutely. And I think also the, 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 I don't know what you think about this, but I think that the fact that the non-endemic brands, like brands that don't especially have to do anything with, with sports or esports in general, like Red Bull in the beginning, uh, that they're all coming in like, okay, maybe we should try to, I think that that's also a good thing because they're, they're going to look at what can we do that that's, that's not already, already being done. Like Ike, for example, did a thing with like a, a little car that you had to park as fast as possible. And you could win like, yeah. I don't know, like money and stuff. And then a PlayStation 5, I believe. I think that's a oh. fun thing, right? Like, yeah, it's and yeah. the PlayStation 5 is worth, it's, you know, gold sure. right now. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think it's really cool. Uh, Especially I, Red Bull also, uh, like Red Bull, I always find in working with them that they, they just want to create cool opportunities right. or like cool opportunities for the fans that are interactive and stuff, which I really like. And as you say, they were there, like I remember doing a feature with them in 2013 uh, about League and stuff like that. So they've always been very clued in. I think you also see it in like, you know, the diving uh, competitions and whatnot and everything yeah. like they, they put themselves behind really cool initiatives that don't get necessarily as much like mainstream attention, which of course has changed now for uh, esports, I, I think. But there's a lot more mainstream attention for uh, esports than there was 10 years ago, luckily, but yeah. Absolutely. And I'm also referring to like, um, I think your singing and dancing career with the Kia uh, thing <laughs> for LEC. I mean, that yeah. was that was majestic. That was was that all them or were you guys like thinking like, how can we integrate um, them? into that yeah originally i think uh so the rap battles happened and then it seemed like oh we could actually probably right. do something with music so from redius and dracos and then our producer margot who works very closely with kia uh, she's also someone that really is open to ideas and i think she with the boys was like hey I, I, like i like this idea why don't we make a band um and why don't we like do that and we'll We'll pitch it and I mean a lot goes into that because as you know against like brands you can't just be like we're gonna do this and I think a lot of sponsors in uh, esports like 
their I don't know. They take like the basic approach, I would say. Almost. Right. Like the and here's a, a lower third with the name of the sponsor yeah. or this and that. But I think how it really gets elevated to a new level is if you actually decide to take some risks with it that can really live in the community. And I think Kia is one of the best examples because they gave the team also the trust to do this, right. you know, electronic and then the, the dance with me video, for instance. And it, it was great because like, you know, it works and people appreciate the sponsor because we're allowed we're, we're we're given the chance to make this cool piece of content for the community that is still in the context of the sponsor like that is the gold standard i feel like right Absolutely. Um, but it's also it's not easy right because obviously you know often the bigger the sponsor the more tight regulations they have right. if i only want our logo in this place and i only want you referencing in this way and i only want the segment to look like this and i think there's also a value in that because we welcome you know sponsors in course, our yeah, business yeah. but you know, it's it's always cool if if it, they go the extra mile and the other way around as well, and it's integrated in a very natural way. Right, absolutely agree on that. Um, you know, kind of wrapping it up, let's talk about the future a little bit. I've got a few questions about your future. What are the plans for the rest of the year? Because it's kind of still of a it's a still a strange year, even though everything is kind of yeah. you know going back to it. But what what are the plans? Can what are the things you can talk to us about? Uh, so there's a lot of LEC. There's right. also a lot of seeing my friends and family, hopefully, uh, once I get my second vaccine and I get can finally go to Belgium. So that's a priority for me right now. Um, there's, um, some, there's some business opportunities that I have, um, where, which is some things that are not really publicized, but that I really like to do. It's when you have like panels where you talk to people from, as we just talked about, like traditional sponsorships or sports sponsorships who want to know more about esports, you know, B2B events. Uh, moderating that and, and leading panels and stuff like that. Um, there is Red Bull Solo Queue, of course. There is the uh, finals in Frankfurt. That's only in December, but hopefully we'll get to go to a couple events in the meanwhile as well. Um, then there are some things that I can't tell you about yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's a lot of LEC and there's a lot of worlds. Yeah. Cool. But uh, hey, it's already like half, like the 15th of June. Right. What the hell? Yeah, I know. It went fast. A year and a half of pandemic flew by. Absolutely flew by. Um, it, it, I, I, I've got one last, like a, a big question. Uh, I know you've done a lot of things in your career already. Are there any dreams, like goals, career moves that, that are still left after such an impressive career? Is, is there a oh thing that God. you really want to like tackle? Uh, it's like so, in the same category as where you see yourselves in 10 years. And that gives, that's the most anxiety inducing question I know, because like, I, I don't really think about, I don't know, it's weird because when I went freelance, obviously my goal was, I want to make a name for myself in Counter-Strike, <laughs> RIP, uh, but um, <laughs> you know, this is something I really want to do, but I don't know. I kind of take it the way it is. And yeah. like, I think in the beginning when I started EULCS and LEC, I was like, oh, well, my dream was always to be a sports reporter. So maybe that's, that's the, that's the long con here. But as we've done more of LEC, I was like, no, this is actually the long con because our product is so fucking good, excuse right. me, French, um, that this is what I want to do. Um, which doesn't mean that I still don't want to cover, like, especially now with the Euro cup on, I'm like, oh man, to be a reporter there right. Uh, right is, is really really great um but also you know you'd start back at the bottom right uh which is something you have to consider as well which is also cool and challenging so i don't know maybe but yeah i don't know i just i look ahead and i do the work that's ahead um 
And I don't know, I, I really want to develop my like social media and content creation brand more because that's become so important. But honestly, it's so difficult. Like when you do like a hosting job almost full time mm -hmm. some weeks to also create content next to that is, is I find very hard. I'm also not a very like creative content creation person. I just, I'm not, mm -hmm. I don't have that gift, you know, like where Dracos can make like the funniest TikTok video. Mm -hmm. uh, I just don't have that. Um, so that's something that I may want to work on. Also, I want to build out my, I don't know, in, in most of the shows that I work on as a host, I take on a, a producer role as well as semi-producer role, mm -hmm. um, in terms of, you know, the closeness in which we work with production and pitching and optimization of the, of the, of the show and whatnot. And that's something that I want to build out and maybe like put into my repertoire officially going right. forward as well. Uh, but yeah. But I can imagine that like coming home from the days you just described during this podcast and then like firing up your stream and doing that and then making TikToks and then yeah I, I can imagine it's just overwhelming it's just a lot, it's a lot. um I, i've got one last question the absolute last question and i think i hope you're gonna have like the answer <laughs> the chat is waiting for uh which team do you root for in the soccer competition in the euro well for belgium of course all right <laughs> oh but you mean in general in general uh, in general uh so well i'm from bruges right from brugge uh, so obviously I have affinity in my heart for club bridges, but to be honest, I was more of a Cercle supporter when I was younger. Oh. Um, but I don't really have that much of an affinity to international teams, maybe aside from Liverpool, because my better half is a, a, a Scouser. He's a Liverpool fan. Oh, okay. uh, so I've been dragged into that. Um, but I'm a bit, I'm yeah, in the middle now. I'm most, because there's not a lot of time to follow all the competitions, I am most... I'm most excited, I think, like everyone about the World Cup and about the Euro Cup. I love national football competition. Absolutely. Like, I, I, I love it. There's just, it's great. It's freaking great. And obviously, I I saw a stat the other day that the the average age of the, of the World Cup winners in the last 30 years was 27. Oh, wow. And our Belgian team's average age is 29. <laughs> so I think that says something. Because, um, like, I'm... I don't know. I saw a great, I read an article on sports the other day from Peter van der Bent, and yep. he said, and he said, I know that we are a nation as are all so hopeful and we are so sad because I think to me and to you probably as well, the World Cup, the last World Cup was the one where we felt this is our, this yep. should be ours. Absolutely. You know, that, that the group stage performance, the comeback versus Japan, beating Brazil and then running into France, that played anti-football and I'm not saying this as a bad thing because they identified what the Belgians did well which was offensive football uh, action from the midfield with Kevin De Bruyne and Hazard and making the the like you no know, proactive football the French recognized that also we had two injured in the defense which as you remember I think um, and they recognized that and they played controlling until they could sting with their amazing talent in the front and that was just Fantastic tactical planning by the French, which doesn't make it more like less annoying that we lost to them. It makes it more annoying. Uh, but at the end of the day, the better team wins, right? So Absolutely. France won. And but I really felt like this was our this was a Hazard was in top form, KDB was in great form, our yep. defense was in top form, Thibaut Courtois was wonderful. Absolutely. Um, we had new talent sprinkled in. We had an Origi who was on fire. Uh, like. This was it. That was a good team. Uh, 
That was a good team. But this is also a fucking good team. And what I want to get to is that Peter van der Bemt said, we as a nation want this generation to bring home a trophy, yeah. which is completely acceptable. But we cannot forget if they don't bring home a trophy, the amount of joy they have brought us and that the amount of like belief they have brought us in our national team again after like 20 years of shit. Like where like, Absolutely. I was like, oh, we won 3-0 versus Russia, but we didn't play that well. 20 years ago, we would have been like, we won a game in the we, group stage. 3-0? <laughs> what? We made more than one goal? <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. No, like, we were we were know. talking about this. And, and not to trash talk, you know, the older coaches and stuff. But I was saying, like, dude, we have Thierry Henry as a coach. How insane is... Like, these guys have looked up to this to this they, player they want to train belgium like, they, I, I was like what <laughs> wait hold on we had robert Bossage back in the <laughs> day and i mean <laughs> that's not not a diss you or remember something. the brazil game where mark wilmots also a uh, coach later mark wilmots scored a goal against brazil and it got fouled yeah uh, and it got disallowed when it was 100 a goal yeah yeah yeah. that's but that's i remember like, that is that 98 no wait that's later yeah 98 maybe i, I think 98 no later no no, no it was a bit later because i was like 18 i think 2001 so like, 2001 they're yeah. saying 2001 I was all, right, all right all right it was later it was later for sure Two, yeah. 2002 they're saying now my god 2002 Chat, no no i was in straight. high school i was in high school i remember 2002 I in japan they're saying uh yeah, so yeah that, that makes sense. sense makes sense i kind of remember that um all right well I th so Belgium in the Euros is that your? I mean, you can if you're Belgium. You know what? One thing that's a huge pet peeve of mine is um, there's a lot of pro players that are from Belgium, but that are from the French-speaking part that support France in oh. as in football. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna drop any names, but you know who you are, <laughs> and that just like I understand that you support them if Belgium is out, but to support them from the start. Yeah. Where is your pride? <laughs> right, yeah, just support. Like, and we have a great team. It's not nothing yeah. to be ashamed of. All I right. mean, I'm not saying that I won't put on my Germany jersey if Belgium gets knocked out. Sure, you, you know, I you live can, here. <laughs> that's but. right. You have another team to root for to fall both to fall back on if you. Uh, exactly. And if, and if that doesn't work, you can still fall back on like one of the languages you speak and be like, no, exactly. no, I was, I was, I was I there. Totally I'm, into I'm that. good. No, no. no but. <laughs> Belgium all the way. The experience will hopefully carry them uh, to at least the semifinal, right? That's a good. I think Lukaku I'm, is in insane shape. Like, that's insane. Yeah, absolutely agree yeah. on that. Um, Shocks. I want to thank you so much for your time. We went a little bit over time there, so thank you for uh, for uh, gr uh, gracing us with a little bit more time. Um, I think we could have talked from two more yeah. hours uh, you're actually hours. you're a wonderful uh, i don't care what anyone says you are a wonderful uh, podcast host thank uh, you so much thank yeah. you so much and you are a wonderful guest as well as to the rest that i've already complimented like so many times on this podcast but uh i i i, I see that chad is also in awe of uh, of everything you've done and, and everything you're going to do so that's that's really uh, really amazing so thank you so much so much for passing by in the virtual studio here for making time for us it was an amazing podcast and i was very happy to to have you here and anything you want to you know quote or go out with uh, no, uh thank you all for listening to me for uh two hours and for 10 years already uh even though we talk about the negative comments and whatnot a lot the positive does not go unnoticed in fact it is the main like drive behind 
why I'm so excited to do this job every day because to make moments for all of the viewers and to make them happy, especially in this pandemic, it is the greatest gift anyone uh, could get. So yeah. imagine true. That's right. Shocks, thanks again. Uh, guys, we will be seeing you next month uh, with the another Kaiser Talks. I will be announcing all the dates uh, on the Twitter of Kaiser and on my own Twitter. If you want to check uh, check out uh, Shocks, you can do uh, exclamation mark Shocks. And if you want to check me out, you can do exclamation mark Dickesfeke uh, in the chat. If you don't know how that's written, that's fine. You can copy and paste it. <laughs> it's in the title. Uh, anyway, guys, have a great one and bye bye. See you all.